Wrestling Geeks Hopeless Romantic, listen to this new episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, hey, how are you guys doing out there? Uh, not really needing to be a Hopeless Romantic, but uh, you know, I thought I'd throw that in there. Um, I was going to go over a bunch of things that Wrestling Geeks Alliance can do for you, but I can't talk that fast like they do in the commercials. So <laughs> how are you guys doing out there? Uh, we got another episode for you. It's going to be fun. We're going to be reviewing uh, Money in the Bank. We're going to be re- uh, reviewing Raw. Um, and also, of course, the Wednesday Night Wars. And uh, with me, as always, is my wonderful partner, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? Doing good, man. Finished up some work today and cracked open a beer and getting ready to talk about some wrestling. We uh, we had some, some good shows last night and some okay stuff on Monday. So very excited. So it's been it's been a pretty solid week for me. How, how's your week going, Dane? You know, I, I I can't complain. You know, it's been very very slow at the uh, at the job, uh, but other than that, you know, just trying to uh, stay with it and uh, just be safe and um, you know, not decide to destroy anyone um, mentally. Like if I could just like blink them out of existence by reading stuff on Facebook. Um, but yeah, if <laughs> if I could just not do that. That would be wonderful, but you know I don't have self control on that at all. So you know, the the listeners got a little bit of a surprise whenever they listen to this episode because we have a new theme song. I, how you feeling about that? <laughs> um, I'm I'm a big fan of it, man. You know, um, I'm a big fan of the Rainmaker. I'm a I'm a massive fan, and I like I like us changing things up. You know, having a different uh style music and i swear if anyone out there doesn't know that theme music uh branch branch your wings go and fly <laughs> to places that you don't know about and learn <laughs> things but uh yeah definitely definitely digging the okada theme nice all righty well i mean it, it's a uh it's definitely since we, neither of us are huge fans of the nwo theme <laughs> i think it's a huge step in the right direction it definitely is, man, and uh, you know it's 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 a fun one, and uh, maybe maybe you know if if you guys are nice to Christopher, they'll think of some other ones, and we'll, we can uh, you know add a couple to the list, uh, so no one will know Chris what we're gonna do, what we're gonna do, brother, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have some surprises in the future, for sure. For sure. Well, um, what the heck was I gonna say? Oh, I wanted to wish a happy birthday. I think I believe it was yesterday, but just because he's still on this earth, uh, Danny Hodge, 88 years old, uh, an amazing boxer, actually, you know, I hate saying actual wrestler, but collegiate wrestler, pro wrestler, uh, and just overall badass. He was a miniature Brock Lesnar before Brock Lesnar was around. So, uh, yeah, I heard JR uh, talking about it on the AEW after show with him, Taz, and um, Excalibur, which if you guys aren't listening to those, they're hilarious. They're basically JR 
and Taz just taking shots at each other the whole entire time. It's pretty fucking funny. But uh, happy birthday, Mr. Hodge, and uh, appreciate it. Uh, if you guys never have seen anything, just go look up a video of this man's giant hands uh, from a couple of years ago crushing apples like it's nothing. Back in the day, he used to like <laughs> – he was so strong – he could bend pliers like it was nothing. Like it's it's insane. And this guy was legit boxer, legit wrestler, legit badass back in the day. So uh, yeah. Um, so do you, do you have anything happy, to say about Danny Hodge? Yeah, obviously a badass, and and happy birthday to him. Did you ever see the episode of Ride Along where they had Mark Henry like in the car and he he did the apple gimmick? He like crushed the apple with one hand with Chris Jericho. No. It's it's pretty great it's an older episode but it's it's pretty good but uh i wanted to give a happy birthday to uh it is matt cardona aka uh the long island iz himself zach Ryder's birthday today so happy birthday to uh zach Ryder. yeah man happy birthday zach uh or matt or whatever we're supposed to call you now and i know that we're gonna see you be doing doing some really cool things in the future i think most fans know that um yeah, so I guess let's talk about this crazy fucking pay-per-view. Um, Chris, <laughs> god damn it. So oh, I th- Yeah, that shit happened over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> so I think we've explained this before, and I'm not going to be as dramatic as some people about stuff, but, you know, me and Chris, we usually text each other back and forth, and sometimes we don't agree, sometimes we do agree. And this one, I think that we were both, like, just exhausted <laughs> by the end of this fucking thing. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to say that I hate every, every aspect of money in the bank, uh, the, 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 the whole thing. Cause some of it was fun and funny and some of it was just stupid, but I will say there's a definitely, you can tell that, you know, segments that were worked on by triple H and other people from previous stuff. And then this done by Bruce Pritchard and, uh, Vince McMahon, this was, this is kind of meant for. I think this would have worked in the the early 90s pretty fucking well. Um, yeah. Oh, Lord. Uh, I don't even know what to say. Uh, overall, thoughts on Money in the Bank, Chris? When you say you didn't want to say bad things about the entire uh, pay-per-view, did you only mean the kickoff show match with Jeff Hardy and Cesaro? <laughs> <sighs> this aspects of other things, I guess you could say, but yeah, that was one of the only highlights. God damn it. Why was that on the pre-show? <laughs> well, maybe because Jeff Hardy he looked at the last rest of the lineup and what they were planning on doing was like, fuck, let's just get this shit out of the way, put us on the pre-show, go back. To maybe camera. he was mad that he couldn't <laughs> jump off the roof. They wouldn't let him. Like, all right, man, you guys aren't going to let me jump off the fucking roof or put a put a dirt back section or some shit? Well, fine. I'll fight Cesaro on the pre-show. And that's we're gonna exactly get, We're going to get to some roof action later on. Some some really, some murder. They have a murder or at least attempted murder three fucking times on their goddamn roster. I will say one thing about this pay-per-view that I appreciate is the fact that it was only like two and a half hours long. That was nice. Um, that's not necessarily a good thing. God damn it. That's like when you go to see a shitty movie and the only thing that you can say about it is like, well, at least it wasn't that long. <laughs> like, uh, well, you brought it up. The kickoff uh, show match, Jeff Hardy going against Cesaro. Pretty damn solid match. I mean, this is Jeff Hardy. 
who's agile as hell, and Cesaro, who is a technician. So, of course, they're going to have even a, in a smaller match, a pretty damn good match. Uh, kind of telling. And, you know, maybe this would be a good way to kind of put him back with fucking Sheamus. And Sheamus is about to have um, a feud with Jeff Hardy, it seems. Uh, but they didn't go down that route. I just don't think – I don't know what the hell Cesaro is going to do uh, anymore. And I kind of liked at least the, the package of the bar. Uh, but, yeah, that was the pre-show match. And Jeff went with the Swanton Bomb. Jeff still looks pretty goddamn young, even though his body, I mean, oh, Lord, it's got to be up there for – and right now, Chris, in his career, for, you know, most damage. And I just feel like he's not going to slow down. He might slow down, but he's still going to do crazy shit. Yeah, he's definitely the, the uh, modern-day evil Knievel <laughs> as yeah. far as the shit he's done over the years. Um, I thought this was a very fun match. Like, uh, as far as a kickoff show match, I mean, they didn't get a play. Well, yeah, I think it was only like seven or eight minutes long, but it was a lot of fun. Jeff got the win. That's a send the fans home happy kind of moment. Um, also, we have no idea what they're doing with Jeff because we don't know technically when his contract ends and how much time they've tacked on to it. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they are going to try to do a long-term feud with him and Sheamus or if that next match between him and Sheamus is just Seamus killing him. Um, so I guess that's where where things are going to play out. I mean, for all we know, they could be talking about giving him a push or, you know, trying to renegotiate a contract. It just seems a little far-fetched, uh, knowing everything that happened with Matt uh, before Matt, on, well, at least with Matt on his way out, and even a little bit before that where they were trying to force him to be a road agent. So, uh, interesting. Good kickoff show match. Probably my favorite match of the show. If I'm being completely honest, I mean, McIntyre and Seth Rollins, I thought was pretty good, but there was definitely things that I wasn't a huge fan of. Yeah, I think that's a very uh, good assessment. Um, The next match, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it's so hard to figure out in Fatal 4 ways, uh, tag-wise, what's going on sometimes. And uh, I think me and you predicted that the New Day... I'm pretty sure I did at least uh, was going to retain. I think you did as well. I just didn't, uh, unless you're going to put it right back, Miz and Morrison, I don't see the Forgotten Sons or the Lucha House Party uh, getting that. And Big E hit a, a big ending on Grand Metalik to retain the championship for uh, his team. Uh, I just, I don't even remember details of this match, to be honest with you. Uh, I Was it was it short? Was it long? I don't remember, Chris. Help me out. Um, it seemed like it was long. a pretty quick match. It was That's a pretty quick match, but and and we kind of assumed when Lucha House Party was there, one of them were taking the pin. I think that was both in our predictions as well. But uh, yeah, the New Day gets the win. Not really surprising because, like you said, I don't think they're immediately going to throw the titles back on uh, Miz and John Morrison. I think the more surprising thing is like why the hell the Usos weren't in this match. Is one of the Usos injured right now? And I'm forgetting yep. about it. Okay. Uh, All Jimmy, right. Well, at least. At least that checks out then, because I was going to be like, why the hell? This is just like such a random thrown together tag match. I will say at least they had a tag match um, for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, because we definitely didn't have a Raw Tag Team Championship match on this pay-per-view. I don't even know remember who the Raw Tag Team Champions are. What did I call them last time? Crime Time? Oh, the, the <laughs> no, you didn't call them Crime Time. You called them the Prime Time Players. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
fuck. And I now I can't remember their names. It's the street, it's the street profits. Street profits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why primetime players slipped out, but. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. They, they they weren't there. Neither them. The, the, them and the Viking Raiders were having a basketball game, but we'll get to that later. The fuck. All right. Um, next was an impromptu match between Bobby Lashley and R-Truth. Uh, it was originally supposed to be Truth and MVP, but Lashley interrupted uh, the pre-match argument um, and took MVP's uh, uh, place, I mean. And typical match, a little bit of offense from our truth Bobby Lashley comes back, destroys him with a spear. And uh, the only thing that I will say that, and it's more so from people that watched it, because I, I didn't, I mean, I've seen a little bit of Bobby Lashley, but... Uh, apparently they're putting Bobby Lashley, getting her, him away from Lana, which I don't know why the fuck they did that to begin with. And him and MVP have, have, have at least done something, I guess, in the past. So he's going to be a part of uh, MVP's little uh, group that he's building. Um, so I, that should be neat. Um, but yeah, our truth is he got destroyed by Bobby Lashley. What'd you think, Chris? Bobby Lashley having MVP as a manager is intriguing. I'm just not a huge fan of Bobby Lashley in the ring. It's yeah. Very few and far between good Bobby Lashley matches. Uh, outside of that, I mean, you got to do something with our truth since he can't <laughs> fight for the uh, 24/7 title. So, I guess maybe our truth and abandoned misfits are going to be going against. Uh, this is going to be setting up a three-way match, I'm assuming, or like a you know a group versus group match, probably him, Ricochet, and Cedric Alexander versus MVP's crew. Yep, That's, something like that. But uh, the match itself was it was fine. I mean, it they had an argument about how did this thing start up? I'm trying to even remember. Um, it was supposed to be. It was an argument about basketball, I believe. It was. It was uh, between our truth and MVP. I think. I don't. Okay. Remember. Okay. I do. Re- I the one thing I remember is our truth has this great new, and I think he wore it on Raw too. This this green shirt that says our truth is twenty four seven, and uh, I was like, I think they missed a golden opportunity to on the back have like the nine eleven seven eleven I eighty five South. <laughs> All the different things he's called the title, <laughs> like on the back of the shirt. I think that would have been really great. Um, but outside of that, I think that might be the only WWE merch uh, that I might purchase. I like that shirt. It's not and very it's often you... to the 24-7 title. That's amazing. Uh, it's just not very often you get an R-Truth shirt. So you got to get them when they're there. <laughs> would that title mean anything? If if it wasn't for our truth, kind of like would the would the hardcore title really mean anything if it wasn't for Crash Holly? Let's be honest. Oh no, I mean that title. I mean, well, the hardcore title at least it, because Mick held it, and you have that yeah. joke where Vince created a special title for Mick. So just for that angle alone, I guess. But yeah, no, without our truth, that title means dick all. You figured they would have done something more with him to take advantage of how popular he became just by holding that title you know you would think you you would think that our truth who's incredible in the ring especially for his age and you know is an amazing person on the mic every dynamic actually great heel great baby face they would push in a direction that's not silly but um you know i don't know i don't know chris has yano ever won a major title at in new japan I believe so, actually. 
Really? But, but, but our truth is not, I mean, maybe like, uh, lightweight, either lightweight or I feel like he has either a tag title or, or something. Pretty sure. I, and I don't have to be pulled up on tap here, but our truth is, uh, <laughs> he's had some WWE titles. He, he was the United States champion a couple times. Funny enough, the hard, hardcore champion two times, <laughs> according to this uh, Wicca page. Uh, the 24-7 champion, 35 times. <laughs> so obviously better than Ric Flair, right? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, he's, I mean, there's no there's no doubt. You can't take away also his NWA championship win. So he's a, it just sucks because like you said, it's like, I mean, he's a total package and it's like he's okay with, what he's doing and he seems extremely happy, but I don't know. It's funny because he could be like a champion like right now if we wanted. I mean, he could have been a champion when he was feuding with John Cena, I think, and they didn't take a little Jimmy. Yeah. I I think part of, you know, one of the biggest problems here is it's a WWE thing where if you're too good at being funny, you end up like Fandango and Breeze or uh, Santino Morello. You just are going to get pigeonholed into that role. It sucks, though. But, yeah. Oh, well, still love our truth And, uh, you know, he is absolutely hilarious. And I'm obviously not trying to stall on time to get back to where I was for the... Um, <laughs> and I think I completely deleted yeah, it, it. If you guys are, uh, If you guys are huge on... If you're our truth fans out there listening to this, uh, give the man some merch money. <laughs> Go buy yeah, that our truth shirt. <laughs> Go buy like him. The first R- it's, it's the first our truth shirt I've seen in <laughs> since the little Jimmy thing. So <laughs> definitely and buy pick it and up. like just buy also a 24/7 title knockoff just just because. If he makes money off <laughs> of that, I don't fucking know. He should make money if they do that. All right. Um, I, what were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say I have the notes pulled up if you need me. No, no, you're good. I finally found it. Um, so we got the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match. Bailey going against Tamina. Uh, before, I had some statements um, about how, like, just give it to Tamina, you know. Her, her counterpart, she's she's much better wrestler than her. I don't even know how to fucking say that anymore. Like, she's obviously not a roughhouse in the ring like Nia Jax is, but, you know. My lord, usually if you're a Pacific, you know, a uh, the Polynesian wrestler, uh, whether you're part of the Analoa family, or it, you're just naturally good in the ring, even if, like, you're Yokozuna, who weighed, like, I don't know, a thousand pounds. Um, but for some reason, she's got two left fucking feet in the stand thing. Uh, I I thought Bailey did good around her. I just, this match was not memorable. They had that same type of stuff where Sasha... Of course, is doing her thing. We don't know what, like, what the fuck is going on with Sasha and and, and Bailey. Like, do we do we know the dynamic of what's going to happen? I mean, this is kind of just pointless. And <laughs> uh, God dang is it, the, there was a, is the is the answer. Do we know or do we care? Do I, that's that's the worst. Yeah, but uh, Bailey countered a Samoan drop into a crucifix pin to win the match. After the match, Tamina tried to smell and drop on Bailey again, but was stopped by Sasha Banks, and the ladies got the better of Tamina. Um, not, not trying to be mean, but my lord, never mind what I said. Um, 
God damn, dude. I, like, I never saw Ace, like, wrestle, but she's the daughter of Jimmy Snuka. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, uh, I'm, I'm ragging on her, Tamina too much. I feel bad. What do you think? I'll give her a little bit of a break because she wrestles, like, once every seven months. <laughs> right? Uh, that's a good point. She goes on these long ass hiatuses where they don't use her. I mean, more of the problem with this match in general is Tamina is a she's a heel her entire run in WWE, and then you put her against another heel to build a storyline that has been in the works for four years in a match that's not going to be very good. And then you have your heel champion win with a roll up, basically. I mean, we'll call it a crucifix, but uh, there's not a lot about this match to like. Even if the match went well, I don't know what the... I mean, if the end result still a roll-up pin and everything in the ring was fine, what the hell story are you actually trying to tell with the match? I don't know. I really don't. Um, yeah, I just continue to... Out of, I think, pretty much all the championship divisions, because at least the IC, and we'll talk about that um, tomorrow once they announce all that stuff, at least the IC belt is having a tournament based around it. I I think I care less about the SmackDown Women's Championship than I do any other championship represented on any of the WWE um, platforms, pretty much. So did you forget about the women's tag belts? Oh yeah, never mind. That that definitely and the Raw, Raw Men's uh, tag is also up there too. Um, but you know, let's let's let's. <laughs> it's it's almost like it's almost like wwf doesn't give a shit about tag team wrestling uh no not at all you know and and regardless of how you feel about the revival now maybe people can understand why the fuck they left even after you know being offered lots of money because it was like we don't care if you're gonna give us the belts like if you're gonna fucking do this to tag division uh, what the fuck's the point i don't get it Ugh. I mean, the only way you can be good in the tag division is just to be two of the best tag teams in the past 10 years and only feud with each other, which is just the Usos of New Day. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but it gets boring after a while, as much as I love it at the same time. Uh, anyways, let's keep on going. We got two more matches before we get to this bonfire. Uh, um, the Universal Championship match, uh, Braun Strowman went against Bray Wyatt. You were right. Wyatt came out as himself, so right away I was like, okay, so this is going to be extended. The Fiend, or this is not The Fiend, Bray Wyatt's going to lose. Uh, I thought they what they pulled inside was fine with the Strowman with the uh, black sheep because we were talking about what what, uh, what if the possibility uh, of Bray taking over Strowman. But, I mean, this wasn't a match, really. This was just a, a small arrangement to advance a storyline to go forward. So it was, it was what it is. Um, Braun won. He beat Bray, but he did not beat The Fiend. And now we are a year from when The Fiend uh, debuted. Uh, it was Monday. So I'm very happy that this is what happened a year later. If you can't tell by my fucking voice. <laughs> I had all the hopes in the world when I saw his character. I was like, we're going to do cool things. And now, hey, I mean, he's fighting for the title. But uh, I don't care. Like I said, Chris, I would rather – like people made jokes about the fact of like – Kind of like how you're saying with Bray in the ring, just like have Bo Dallas be the fiend and then Bray just be his fucking manager. I'm still saying the same thing, just like at the end of this this stupid storyline, 
have Braun be the fiend, and then you can have Bray being the, the mouthpiece of manager or something like that, because they kind of killed my enthusiasm. And I was very enthused a year ago. It's kind of sad. What do you got to say? I mean, that's the one thing about that's the one thing about Bray is that he is still good on the mic. He doesn't have the best matches, but then you take the allure away by giving him a loss to Goldberg in a nothing match, and that wacky Just ass hell in a cell shit. Yeah, and then the wacky ass hell in a cell shit. Um, it makes it really hard to care about the fiend as a character as being this unstoppable monster once he has been beaten. Kind of twice, because he's technically lost in Hell in the Cell as well. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that they, they can take this and, and kind of do some cool stuff with it. Now, I haven't hated the mat, the pairing of Braun and Bray, but, you know, like I said, this wasn't really much of a match. It was more of an advancement in the storyline. You know what I hate? Your three, three of your main events are just angles. They're not actual matches. That's what I hate. <laughs> yeah that's uh it's very 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 good point it's a very good point and, and the other big main event for the championship the wwe championship i should say drew mcintyre went against seth uh rollins um some of it was a little clunky i will admit some of it was pretty good um i did like that ending sequence that they had where it went from like i think super kick into the headbutt into backing up um, and, and trying uh, trying to go for the knee and then into the, uh, whatchamacallit, the Claymore. thought that was cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen this match before. I think I'll agree with you, Chris. I think this is my second favorite match of the night after the uh, opening match. And it was a fine match, but I don't think it was anything uh, crazy or special. Uh, you know, I'm not ranting or raving, if you will. Man, people probably think that I fucking just hated this pay-per-view. Like, I, was, I wasn't depressed Sunday or anything like that. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm being honest. Uh, Chris, what did you think? I mean, I, I'll say I hated this pay-per-view. It was pretty bad. <laughs> so people can get <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> um, oh, I, the God. match was, I thought this, I think this was, like I said, the, probably the second best match on the card. They had a good match, and uh, I just thought it was fucking weird that Seth and Drew shook hands afterwards. The fuck was that? I don't know, and I don't. I like that Seth. Like I don't know what they're doing with this whole raw angle, but he's kind of like crazy or some shit like that. But yeah, I, I agree. Like I don't even think that if Drew is like you know your your happy-go-lucky baby face, he should try to fucking shake Seth Rollins' hand. Seth Rollins is a piece of shit. Like why? No, I mean a few weeks ago he was just punting everyone that got near him, and now he's shaking his hand as a sign of respect for having a good it's just not one you it doesn't what's... really fit Drew McIntyre's character but it also doesn't fit Seth Rollins's character because it's not like they had this big crucial battle of three or four matches like this is something you save for down the line where the heel has to respect the the baby face not like a one loss thing no I agree with you and someone joked like I oh god it did like Vince Braveheart for the first time, and then he's going to just turn Drew McIntyre completely into William Wallace. Like, that was a great fight! Shake my hand! You know, like, whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the, the real answer is they probably were aware of the Becky Lynch situation, which we'll get into a little later. And they probably don't want Seth being a heel right now. So this is probably, was their attempt at turning him babyface? 
or the start of him turning babyface. That and he yep. lost his entire fucking crew somehow. I still have no idea where AOP's at. And uh, Buddy Murphy's One of them's injured. <laughs> and those poor guys, they can't catch a break with these injuries. That sucks for them if that's the case. Yeah. Put them on a team with uh, Jim Uso. Just, like, just smack them together. Or Jey Uso. Just <laughs> Akam and Uso. <laughs> just fucking four sets together. That would be great. I mean, they're doing that on NXT. Like, Pete Dunn's not available, so they're like, here's just another random tag partner. Are, are they going to give Matt Riddle another tag partner now? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. God. I, so. uh, I don't know how the hell I'm going to explain this next match, Chris. Like, it's so hard to fucking sum up. Um, okay. You want me to try? All right, yeah. No, actually, I'd love to hear this. Go for it. And then I'll respond to it. <laughs> It's every one of those 4th July fucking angles there they did, and at the very end, someone grabbed a, grabbed a, climbed a ladder and grabbed a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's every one of those stupid happy holiday bullshit. That, like, honestly, this screamed. If anyone's like, you know, oh, man, I just, like, I have a hard-on over the, uh, the rock and roll wrestling era, blah, 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 blah. This is the type of shit I would expect from a fu- that time period. Like this is when they had game shows and like you know, it w- the hijinks was so stupid. Why was why was John Laurinaitis in this? Just to get pie face? <laughs> Who's the That's, creepy dog? Was, so when this was happening, I was like, you know, the only thing this is missing is like a food fight or someone getting a pie in their face. And then like two minutes later, the fucking John Laurinaitis got pied. God damn it! And then it just. All right, so it starts off with the ladies and the men lined up next to the elevators. Keep in mind, there's three elevators, I think, for them to choose from, but I don't know if any of them are good at math. Oh, no, no, the men started somewhere else. That's right. So the women had three different elevators to choose from, but uh, it was uh, Sheena Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Carmella. They hear something. They look above themselves over the balcony. Asuka's there doing some dancing. Uh, jumps on top of them, and then the men's start off, I believe, in the gym, and Otis, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, King Corbin, H. Salzers, beating love and hell out of each other. So both fights start. Asuka jumps in an elevator. All the girls don't know what to do. Uh, she's going, dancing a lot. That type of stuff actually laugh. Asuka made me laugh uh, a good amount of times in this. And she also got annoying, which is crazy. Uh, <laughs> God. The men's the thing is, like, you know, I, I, you can't gauge how hard they're hitting each other because you can tell they're putting special effects over everything. Or not special effects, but sound effects over everything while they're, like, nailing each other. For some reason, Baron Corbin, why did he get nervous after he he broke a fucking mirror? Like, Chris, they're they're destroying the whole entire fucking building. Like, he's worried about that? Like, they told him they could do maybe it, that, right? <laughs> no, maybe he wasn't supposed to break that. Maybe they had set up things that they were supposed That's to break, and he's like, oh my god, Vince. <laughs> I just like the part where Dana Brooke pulls down a briefcase that's not the briefcase in a very R-Truth moment, and then somehow Stephanie's just able to remote conference call into this room from her house, <laughs> and her theme music's oh, yeah. playing in the background. It's like, come on, come the fuck on with this shit. 
You just uh, all you uh, had to do was have the announcers explain like that's not there's a ring on top of the building, and then just have everyone leave Dana Brooke there and have her celebrate because they literally didn't utilize her the rest of the match anyway, so it didn't fucking matter. No, she she, she slipped a second later on 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 the floor, and that was it for her. Uh, shortly after that, it was a uh, great use. Uh, dude, Nia Jax looked like a fucking idiot in this goddamn match. She fell over so many times. <laughs> and then that one time where they matched her up with Otis. Can you can you think about Vince trying to convince Nia that this is a good visual? Like, I would have been so goddamn offended if I was told to, like, go face-to-face with Otis, who's holding a friggin' hoagie or a piece of chicken or whatever the hell he was eating. Goddamn, this is terrible. So bad. Uh <laughs> The, the only the only thing that I actually liked out of this match, and I'm being completely honest, is they're still selling the fact that AJ Styles was scared of the Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a and there's a possibility that the Undertaker just has an office in Titan Towers that has a bunch of coffins in there. <laughs> and a purple a purple like light basically just especially for him. Oh my just god. AJ's and, and AJ knowing how ridiculous it is and overselling it is what made that good. <laughs> that that one scene with him, Dan O'Brien, and Vince in the office, that made me laugh a bit, especially when Vince put on the hand sanitizer afterwards. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, they got me there. The bathroom part with, with Brother Love, that was so fucking dumb that I did not – and he, you know, just toilet humor. You got to have him zipping up his drawers and shit. And I don't think modern – I don't think Bruce Pritchard realized this. Like, I don't think modern audiences know who the fuck Brother Love is. No. I mean, that's a very specific time of WWF, and they never talk about Brother Love, like, ever. So, probably not. I will say, uh, I, I had, like, looked at my wife, and I was like, I wonder if they're going to see the giant Tyr- Tyrannosaurus Rex head that's in Vince's office. And then when they went into Vince's office, sure as shit, there it was on the side of the wall. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you called because it, man. so bad, I had to... I had to make little mini games while I was watching this. <laughs> God, and it's like it's it's like what's the fucking? Because they look like they were like knocking each other and smashing each other against the walls pretty hard. It's like over a stupid like little comedy like giant Home Alone that Vince came up with in his head. Um, you know what's you know what's better than this? What's that? A fucking Money in the Bank match. <laughs> <laughs> A goddamn wrestling match. <laughs> hey, let, let me talk to your pal. Um, yeah, and like like Why I said, we go have... through the effort of setting up a fucking ring if you're not even gonna have a, a semblance of a match. Here's another question. All right, so we get to the ending, and we'll, we'll I'll chime in with other dumb bullshit that I remember. Um, but when we get to the ending, and Oscar's up there, she's trying to get the belt. Why was her and Baron Corbin trying to stop each other? They're not fighting against each other. Like, what the, what the fuck was the point of that? That is about as pointless as Britt Baker trying to do her fucking submission or her submission move on the outside of the ring while the bitch is getting fucking pinned inside the ring. Two things that completely boggle my mind within wrestling. But why was Asuka going after Baron Corbin and Baron Corbin trying to fight Asuka when they were in two different matches at the same time? Did no one tell them? I don't know, but I was really did she did she miss Corbin? Because I was like, if she missed Corbin, that'd be fucking awesome. No, she didn't because he tried to kill Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio right afterwards. What the hell? But don't worry. They're going to tell us the next night, and I forgot to say – or well, well, we'll get to Raw, but like that there was like an extra roof or something. It's 
So you're going to let this motherfucker still work there, and he's trying to kill three of your people. Why? Um, uh, yeah, but at least Elias got him. At least Elias <laughs> got him. And you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and shut down uh, WWE fan. Any if I, I know that probably our listeners aren't these people, but anyone that's like, this is the same thing as that Sammy Guevara match from last week. Uh, no, the fuck, it's not. <laughs> no, they, it's not. They were legitimately fighting and trying to kill each other, and there was a pinfall, and it was a match, and it wasn't on a fucking paper. There was no background music either. There's no background music. There's no random stephanie mcmahon appearance there was no uh, brother love there was no fucking food fight uh john laurinitis in a power chair uh <laughs> like shit half of the reason their audience fucking left on screen with john laurinitis like this was shit oh, <laughs> so don't don't anyone at me on twitter trying to convince me that any of this was good outside yeah, of the, the few few funny moments because of the people involved mostly aj styles and yeah aj aj was it was enjoyable in this so was daniel bryan their, their reactions were funny but it's like or we could have had the two of them in a fucking an actual match with tables well, and yeah letters. just a money in the yeah a fucking money in the bank match with aj styles daniel bryan and Rey mysterio jr yeah that's and fucking <laughs> alistair and fucking like what the hell man you can keep Corbin in it. Fuck it. But Jesus. Uh, Corbin would have been great there. He could catch everybody. That's one thing Corbin's good at. He fucking at least catches people. Or throws them <laughs> off buildings. Uh, I, I'm talking more from a wrestling standpoint. But yeah, he does <laughs> He does throw motherfuckers off buildings, apparently. Oh, man. Um, Doink the Clown. He also made a cameo. We, 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 uh, we mentioned it, but like, what the fuck was that? And that wasn't even... That wasn't any of the four or five wrestlers that played fucking Doink. Was that just an intern? They were like, turn you into a fucking clown and you're just going to pop up for no reason. I, I was kind of hoping it would like be Matt Riddle. Like later on, he would come out on Twitter and he's like, did you guys see my appearance at Money in the Bank? At least it would have been something to talk about, you know. All right. <laughs> we, we talked about Oscar winning. Um, so we have this moment where Otis tries to go in there and they already did this beforehand when they were making fun of it on SmackDown that Otis, on, a, on an aluminum fucking ladder, like this would be possible, puts one foot on it, breaks it. You know, Stooges style, obviously. He's Chris Farley. Um, so in order for him to win, because obviously inevitably Otis won, AJ and Corbin were fighting over it, and Elias came, screwed over Corbin, which means that we're probably going to get more of that horse shit, um, and AJ dropped it, fumbled it, and oh yeah! Otis wins it and i i i kind of said it more as like a like totally like one of the last people i thought would win the damn thing uh i was like if, if we're gonna go if we're gonna go this random why didn't alistair black could have done really well with this compared to otis i will say that but you know otis won chris uh how, how do you feel about that uh, it, it definitely shows me that they have no fucking idea what they want to do with the title right now. And I'm assuming that giving it to Otis at least puts it on SmackDown and they probably, maybe they don't want Daniel Bryan in the title picture right away. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, but I mean, Otis is just going to lose. Like he's going to fuck up somehow, or he's going to get screwed over by Mandy Rose, or he's just going to give the damn thing to Mandy Rose. 
which is a high play. probability. <laughs> oh, or like yeah, I can see that. He just he just fucking gives it to her. Like Saturday or or Friday, he gives her the the title. She screws him over afterwards. She's been using him the whole time, and then he just feel bad for Otis again, and then we're back to the storyline. Or he gives it to her, and then she gives it to like Dolph Ziggler or some that's, shit. I would hate that. I would absolutely hate. That. Uh, I have a feeling that's where this going, just because I don't see them putting Otis in the title match, even as much as the fans love Otis. And your Otis prediction is like kind of like my Kofi Kingston prediction, where Kofi's been in so many of these fucking situations that I always pick him. <laughs> that's why it was so awesome when he finally did win the title. <laughs> like yeah. for years and years, he's been my Rumble winner <laughs> prediction and my Money in the Bank winner prediction. It was really sad that he uh, he was somehow not a part of this. It feels like. Kofi should have been a part of this. <laughs> well, yes, he, he has to fucking hold up the tag division now because you know they don't they they need him. But uh, yeah, he was well, definitely yeah that and, um that and I guess Xavier Woods has still got a torn Achilles, so he's going to be gone for, yeah for five more months. Well, all right, so let's uh, let's give Otis a little bit of credit. This is more of a what if and a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna propose to you. Um. We haven't been able to see much of Otis as a character other than this goofy, like I said, Chris Farley-esque, you know, dude, if you will. Um, But big guys, you know, in wrestling, a lot of them can come off very endearing and show off a different side. And some of them kind of start off, if not comedic, you know, far from the idea of someone that could be – you know, like a like a uh, like an actual heroic baby face that you want to get behind. Otis is not giving us yeah. any of that. But you look I at mean, I, we'll, can, we'll, I can give we'll, a. I'm, I'm I'm just hold, give me give me two more seconds. Just you can yes. look at people like Dusty Rhodes, Mick Foley, George Animal Steel, even um, Mark Henry. Can Otis flip it? Can Otis actually get? I mean, we haven't seen him do this, but can Otis actually come off? like a heroic character or is he just a comedic piece and it's going to be exactly what you expect and what I expect basically. Yeah. I, I, the the example I was thinking of is Mark Henry. You could just turn him heel if you wanted to go that route. Um, I don't know. It would take a lot to get him over as the, as like a top baby face in my opinion just because there's going to be that subset of wrestling fans. The same people that hate Kevin Owens are going to hate Otis as a top baby face, um, which sucks, but is realistic. But you could definitely make him a heel, a la like what they've done with Mark Henry. And kind of the guy to do that, as far as the booking mind goes, be uh, Mr. Michael P.S. Hayes. Um, I, but he's not really... <laughs> he's not even really involved in the booking smack. SmackDown anymore, right? Dude, at dude, least dude. not to the extent he he's not really involved in the booking of SmackDown anymore, right? Not at least not to the same extent as I don't know uh, uh, what Pritchard? he was when no no uh, Michael P S Hayes, but I yeah yeah I don't think so because when when Henry was there and they made they did the Hall of Pain and and. Uh, the Silverback, which just saying that's like fucking <laughs> one of those WWE things. 
Um, I mean, there's a lot they could do with them, but I do think this is just some kind of setup ploy for some sort of Mandy Rose storyline because they seem like they have a little bit of a hard on for these relationship storylines right now. Or Vince has a little bit of a hard on for blondes. Is that what you're trying to get at? Well, I mean, they just did this thing with Lana, right? And then they just did this angle with Otis that, in theory, came to a resolution that people liked. So they got to have some yeah. sort of way to fuck it up. And before that, they were doing, they were going to do a lesbian angle with Lana and Liv. Um, and some of this is Paul. But now that it's on SmackDown, it seems like there is just a general direction of we need some relationship issues on our shows. Yeah, I mean, relationship issues are just the worst. Ugh. But yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting with Otis, and uh, we're going to find out pretty much tomorrow night what direction they're going to go in. Uh, we'll find out real soon. If he can come out and he cuts a promo and I'm like, yeah, man, you know, fucking Otis, dude. Who knew? You know, and me and Chris will just, just be like baffled, but I just I don't see it. It's Chris Farley mixed with Macho Man Randy Savage. I just don't see that fucking becoming endearing or or, or heroic or or anything more than just like a fun, goofy babyface, a comedic based babyface. Like, I hate to say that. Like, if in a world where our truth is just that, don't tell me Otis is all of a sudden going to become like the fucking, you know, Mother Teresa or some shit. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, the only the only way it works is if you turn him heel. Like if he goes through enough shit that he just snaps and turns into an absolute monster, um, and they book him kind of like a Vader or a Mark Henry, then it becomes believable as being a top guy. But the problem is you already have two monsters, one named Braun Strowman and one named Bray Wyatt on that same fucking roster. So I don't even know how you would really get there um, to the top of that card. Oh yeah. Stinks and weights, baby. Um, <laughs> that being said, I love Otis. We both put Otis over on this show. It's just I have no, absolutely no faith in them giving him this money in the bank, tie this title shot, and actually putting the title on him. Like I have zero faith yeah. in that. He's just to me a very, very, and I've said this in the past. He just reminds me of Hacksaw Jim Duggan a lot, and that would be great if he if he ends up being that type of concept. Um, I just, you know, like I said, I don't, uh, I mean, <laughs> he's so I, fucking I mean, goofy. Like him, him winning the title's no worse than fucking Bray holding it. Yeah. Right. At, at least, least right now. At least, at least, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. At least right now. I was going to say in the past, I was like, at least Bray's like a creative force of, of weirdness, you know, that WWE tends to fuck up. It's just Otis is, is, is goofy. I love Otis. I hope he gets the fucking title. Fuck it. You, you changed my mind. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 rooting for him. I mean, it's not like I am not against Otis getting the title. It's just I fucking I know WWE and that shit's not happening. Hey, Jinder Mahal's had the damn title before. So, and speaking of which, that might be the segment we talk about is uh, people that <laughs> won the title. Um, that was crazy. And, and and people that never did would be the opposite concept for a conversation piece on that. And gender would definitely be on there for 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 certain reasons. I know people are into gender and they're they're happy he's back and maybe it is a, a different body I guess at Raw, but I just he never nothing. Mother de Maharaja, nothing. 
Come on. Give me the fucking yeah, – no, give me I the Iron Sheik. Give me, the, give me the other Iron Sheik, Jambroni. <laughs> People just uh, tend to forget that he was on a 100-match losing streak or whatever before he won that number one contenders match. And then <laughs> the only shit that was any good was the fact that they shoved Randy Orton in that segment. But he got in shape. <laughs> Chris, and, and he played a racist-ass character, even though he's a fucking Canadian dude, you know. It had oh. nothing to do with the fact that Vince was trying to sell to a uh, a TV market at all. No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, do you want to go over Raw? Actually, there was some fun stuff on Raw. We can, we can go over Raw. Um, so Raw opened with Becky Lynch uh, coming out. She was very emotional. I got very nervous. You know, it, in, in retrospect, it sucks that Becky's not going to be there, especially for WWE, since she's one of their top stars. But, you know, I I thought I think injury immediately, uh, you know, some nagging injury that's come full full front and now they can't compete or whatever. I've, 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 it's happened so many times before in the past. So uh, that's where my mind went. Um, but enter Oscar, uh, who comes out. And is is furious, uh, basically, essentially, that Becky's saying that she can't defend the belt, uh, not knowing the situation, if you will. Um, in, in reality, with the whole entire situation, apparently Asuka knew that she was winning the title beforehand. I mean, they already taped um, uh, Money in the Bank and everything. So she was told she was going to go under there. Just most people did not know why Becky was leaving. So... Uh, the crazy dancing stuff that was Oscar doing her antics, but the uh, reaction to her when she told her she was pregnant, that was actually, uh, which I, I got a little teary eyed. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm happy for Becky that she's a mom and she can do her thing. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Seth now in this whole entire concept. It just, especially with Shayna Baszler saying that comment, like, Oh, do we really know who it is? I'm like, Oh my God, are we, are we going to go down this weird rabbit hole with the, the cult leader? But anyways, Going back to it, it was a nice little moment. It was it was fun. Uh, Becky came back, and a lot of people greeted her, and, or at least the baby faced it. Obviously, you don't want Baron Corbin there like, I love you, Becky. But, um, you know, she's pregnant, and she is going to be, going to be gone for a while. And now the, the man is the mom, and uh, WWE doesn't have Roman, and they don't have Becky. So uh, it's just crazy. Uh with those especially because those are two of their, their biggest attractions. So, you know, obviously Vince is going to be happy for her, everyone's going to be happy for her, but there's got to be a part of this, Chris, where it's like, fuck, like, you know, when, when they were told about it. But she found out uh, shortly after WrestleMania. And, uh, yeah, Becky Lynch is going to be out, um, and her and Seth Rollins will be having a child. Uh, just craziness, obviously. But um, what did you think about this opening? Did you Were you worried that it was an injury? Uh, concept. Well, so honestly, was, I missed really the first emotional. ten minutes. Of, I, I missed the ten minute uh, first ten minutes, and you sent me that uh, message. Is like, holy shit, is Becky Lynch retiring? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? What's going on? And then you told me, and then I had to. Go, I went back and rewatched it. Uh, she was definitely very emotional, but this is like one of those. As long as she comes back, and they don't like shit, like fire or some shit. Um, because that has also happened in the past. Looking at you, Awesome Kong. Uh, <laughs> this was a good WWE moment, right? Very happy. Uh, Asuka's excitement seemed real. Even if maybe she had known going in, she really sold it well. And uh, 
like the whole opening of the show I thought was really well done and I think it reflected in the ratings. Uh, I think a lot of people tuned in with them putting it, this at the very beginning of the show and, and kind of wanting to see the follow up for the rest of the show, especially knowing that her and Seth are uh, in a relationship. Yeah, and, that, and that's the crazy part is uh, Seth's involvement in this, because when we see him, he looks like a fucking troll doll, like his hair. He hasn't done anything since the day before. So it's all just bunched up. He already kind of looks like a troll doll anyways, but it was a it was a. We'll, we'll get there. Well, how about, how about that? Bobby Lashley went against Humberto Carrillo um, and beat him um, with a uh, submission with the full Nelson, which I have not seen someone do in a very long time. Um, later in the episode, MVP confronted Lashley and asked him when he was going to let Lashley um, confronted Lashley and asked him when he was going to let Lashley out, like the Lashley that he knew. And he called Lana a cage that Lashley is trapped in. Lana screamed about it, and it was fucking annoying as shit. Uh, but we kind of talked about this. So MVP's got a group together. He's got a tag team I don't really get compared to the tag team. I I, I, I just figured that that might end up with him, with Ricochet and um, Cedric. But he's also potentially got Apollo Crews and now Bobby Lashley. Um what the hell are they going to do with Lionel after this? Like, what did you think about this? Um, and, like, I mean, I, I'm being honest. Like, she just signed again. Rusev's gone. They didn't do the lesbian angle. And now it looks like, because there's no point in them being together anymore, that her and Bobby Lashley are going to split off as well. I mean, honestly, I think they'll probably either fire her or not use her. I mean... She re-signed, right? They didn't get Rusev to re-sign. They fire Rusev. They are ending the angle with Lana. And as far as wrestling goes, Lana's not the best in the ring. And you turned her heel. And there is no Rusev to help get her over. So, like, I don't really know what you, I guess you just don't use her. Or you just have her be one of the people that you throw in those you know, six man matches that you just have constantly. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It's just weird. Um, although, and like, I, maybe, maybe you'll be able to answer this. Uh, maybe you watched it then. Uh, you said that you like the idea of MVP, you know, managing, um, Bobby Lashley, or at least it's, it's more interesting than, than this shit with Lana. Um, did you ever get a chance to see them? I guess they were in a part of some type of faction uh, in, in TNA. I didn't see them in TNA uh, during that time period because this would have been 2014, 2015, right? Oh, uh, okay. Was there. So I had kind of fallen off, but they kind of were around the same time period in WWF. The more reason I said that is because MVP is a great talker. Um, and a manager that can take bumps and shit and can have more involvement in the matches to a negative extent. And it builds out MVP's structure and kind of gives you at least a cushion to make Bobby Lashley a bit more entertaining than he is. Because you can't just put him with Paul Heyman, but putting him with, in theory, putting him with MVP and you build him kind of like you did Lesnar, and you have him have very short, quick matches and beat people. I mean, I don't know 
who you want to uh, sacrifice to the Bobby Lashley push. But if you want to go that route, at least with MVP, you have a bunch of other obstacles before you can get to him kind of thing. And like I said, MVP is a great talker and it it fills out his little faction group uh, pretty well. Yeah. Okay. I I could see that. Um, I like, I, I'm interested in it. I, I do like MVP a lot. Um, maybe they'll just feed him like they can just, I don't know, clone Akira Tozawa. Just feed him like a hundred Akira Tozawas over and over again. And um, that's how you build Bobby Lashley with, with <laughs> P. <laughs> that's how you put him over as a monster. You have him beat somebody that loses every fucking week. <laughs> uh, boy, no, well, wins on wins on one on one uh, show because it's obviously the lesser in Vince's eyes with NXT, uh, but loses it on on Raw and SmackDown as like an enhancement talent. It's amazing. I mean, as uh, we've seen, the, the crossover audience isn't that big between those two sh- two shows. So yeah, uh, that is the point. I've argued they, with a couple of those idiots. Yeah, saying uh, saying in Vince's eyes, in Vince's eyes, he's looking at the show that has the more viewers. So. Hey, is just fucking fodder. <laughs> well, speaking about him being fodder, we had a match with him and Angel Garza. But before this, uh, there's an interview that I think Charlie was trying to conduct. Sorry if it was the wrong announcer. Um, no, I'm not. I don't really fucking care. Dasha, one of them was trying to fucking talk to her. I think Dasha's in AEW now. <sighs> anyway, she's trying. Charlie was because uh, Charlie, I think, did all the backstage interviews. So it was Charlie. And she showed more personality, so hopefully she doesn't get fired next week because I feel like she was legitimately happy about uh, Becky's pregnancy in some of the later segments, which kind of shocked me a little bit. Well, no, maybe that's good. She can bring that energy up a bit. Um, But, yeah, she was trying to interview Selena Vega, Angel of Garza, Austin Theory, and and, uh, Andrade. But Angel Garza and Andrade looked to be having some problems with Austin Theory. Uh, and Angel and Austin were kind of going at it uh, before that was broken up. Then we had Angel going against uh, Kira Tozawa. And it was a pretty good match, uh, but Angel won with the wing clipper. After the match, Drew McIntyre came into the ring and uh, took out uh, Garza. And then I believe Andrade pushed Austin Theory first, actually, into a Claymore. And then Garza got Claymored. Um, and then led to a match between Andrade and Drew McIntyre. Uh, pretty good standard match. These guys, I think, work well in the ring together. I think we've watched that since NXT. Uh, but Drew McIntyre won with a Claymore kick. After the match, McIntyre talked about the upcoming crossover between Raw and SmackDown and revealed that he'll be fighting King Corbin on next week's show. We're about to get to that. But before we talk about basically whatever the fuck they called it last year, which is the same goddamn thing, um, how did you like these two matches? And uh, I think Austin Theory is going to be branching off, man. I think he's going to be. Uh, I don't. I don't see him involved in uh, Selena's faction much longer. I have to agree with you, and hopefully that's for the better. But I, I liked the idea of the faction. It's just I hate the idea of them losing every week, or losing a lot more than if you're trying to build a, a dominant faction, they're losing more than they should. Um. The first match was Garza, like Garza versus Drew McIntyre. It was so, Garza versus Akira Tozawa, and then Andrade going against Drew McIntyre. Yeah, so I mean, Drew needed to win. 
I guess I didn't have a problem with either of these matches, but I don't really remember too much about them. <laughs> if that makes sense. So maybe I glossed over a bit. Yeah, you probably did. Um, I will say, like I said, I, I think Drew McIntyre and Andrade have good chemistry. No offense. And this just happens with wrestlers. Uh, the, the couple times I've seen Drew and Andrade go at it, uh, you know, I actually like this match more than the one he had with Seth. And I think Seth is an incredible wrestler. I just thought it was kind of standard or whatever. So, but, um, you know, keep on putting the champions. Seth a, we got to give Seth a little bit of a break considering he probably just found out that he was a baby daddy. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yep. It's going to be a little nerve racketing. I mean, like I said, we'll find, we'll see him later on as a troll doll when he comes out. Um, Lexa Bliss and Nikki Cross hosted a moment of bliss featuring the returning Iconics. They exchanged words and agreed to a non-title match. This led to a match, and um, the Iconics defeated the women's tag team champions Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. So they get a actual champ or a uh, title match in the future. And they uh, basically they won with their new finisher, uh, basically an inverted magic killer. Uh, and yeah. Uh, they're going to be going against them again. I don't care about this at all. I really, I, I'm glad that people are excited. The Iconics are back. I just, to me, that they have like a f- high frequency that fucking destroys my ears when they're talking, and especially when they're talking shit inside the ring. So uh, I'm sure it works for some people, but I would rather keep it on Alexa Bliss and Nikki because that's how much I don't care about the Iconics. Anyways, Chris, h- how did you like this? I mean, you remember how much I liked this feud the first time around, right? You were very happy about it. I think you were excited. <laughs> uh, I think the Iconics looked a little better in the ring. I like the new finisher, so I'm not going to completely bury it, but it's you're, you have a tag division that has two tag teams in it. So it's hard for me to get excited about any... Even if they went out and had a five-star fucking match, I just know that that's just going to be the same match I'm going to see for the next six months or whatever. Yeah, it really is. <sighs> oh, all right. Well, I'm sure they're going to win those titles anyways. Uh, Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black uh, didn't die of money in the bank. Uh, actually, they fell off in, onto a secondary roof, and they're going to team up against uh, Rollins and Murphy. Uh, Seth Rollins interrupted an interview with Ray, and Ray tried to congratulate him for Be- uh, Be- Becky Lynch's pregnancy, but Rollins refused uh, to shake his hand. It's like I said, they're trying to make it look like Rollins basically, I guess, didn't sleep. His hair was all messed up and matted. Um, I'm really, like I said, you know, we'll get to the whole part where he, he basically tries to take out Rey Mysterio's eye. So now I guess, I guess we'll get Pirate Ray after we got Pirate Moxley. Um, but what, what 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 weirdness is going on with this whole entire uh, – they're going to use a pregnancy and an angle. Like I said, Shayna said we don't know who Becky's uh, – the parent of the child is anyways. Like are, are they going in a weird – realm now that the man's going to be stepping out or are they going to want to you know just keep her out of it because what like because he lost to drew mcintyre now he's not as confident as he was like what the fuck happened i mean i think i think the actual answer is they're turning in babyface and that you know he was acting like this evil asshole maybe that's why he shook his hand seeing fatherhood ahead of him maybe it changes his personality and he wants to be a good guy again that's where I think it's going. I but he would... dug Rey Mysterio's head into a chair, into a, uh, he tried to blind him. Chris. I, I, I get that, but he's tormented, right? 
So maybe Norma the whole Sol. setup with maybe the whole setup with him and Ray is that Ray is a father and they bring Ray's kid back. And then you have that moment where Drew has a chance, or not Drew, but Seth has a chance to demolish Ray's kid, and then doesn't because he's becoming a father. Then that's the storyline they sell you. Actually, that's fucking way too good of writing, so they probably won't do that. <laughs> so they'll probably say. do. <laughs> they'll probably do what you're saying and make this an angle. <laughs> Awkward, weird angle. Ugh, God, that's what I'm worried about. You know, or An they can bring Dominic back, or Brock Lesnar can come back and hurt both Dominic and Seth Rollins and claim to be the father <laughs> of both uh, Dominic and also uh, the whatever Be- Becky's baby. Yeah. I mean, he could threaten <sighs> to uh, hurt Becky. That seems like something Brock would do. <laughs> it's not in real life, but at least the WWE character Brock, he gives zero fucks about anything. <laughs> He's an evil bastard. Bret Hart said that the first time he saw him, he said it was like looking at a Kodiak bear. I don't know why I said that, but uh, that, that's what he said. So <laughs> That makes sense. Now Brock lives in Canada, so maybe they hang out. And... <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> All right, so we had R-Truth, Cedric Alexander, and Ricochet going against MVP, Brandon Vink, and Shane Thorne. Truth also wrestled in uh, as a pretty Ricky uh, persona, which is awkward as fuck. But uh, he was doing it the whole entire time. With you know, he had like these uh, fake teeth. If you don't, if, or if you didn't see his match, I, he had fake teeth and he would like cross his eyes and shit. Uh, but he basically he made the referee hold his teeth, which caused a distraction, and allowed him to pin MVP after uh, a lie detector. Uh, after the match, Lashley speared Truth and um, held up uh, Truth so that MVP could um, you know talk and also beat the crap out of him. So looks like I said that unit is getting put together. Um, I'm liking also the fact that they're they're allowing uh, it seems like uh, MVP to transition as as a uh, as a uh, fuck a manager, but he's also getting a chance to still wrestle because it's not like he's terrible in the ring. He's definitely still athletic. Yeah, like a year ago, he was like, I'm done. Then he came back to do one WWE thing, <laughs> and somehow now he's signed the manager in wrestling. So good for MVP. I love that guy. Um, if, if, you, if you guys out there ever get a chance, watch The Wrestlers, which is a documentary. I think it's out there on Vice. He has an episode of that specifically talking about his love of Japan and teaching wrestling students and uh, just his love for wrestling and kind of where he came from. It's very interesting. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that came like legitimately from prison and changed his life and became a professional wrestler has accomplished a lot in a lot of different places. So I'm always happy to see more MVP. I like the faction being put together and uh, I like this match. That was pretty, pretty decent overall for what they're trying to do with the storyline. Pretty solid, pretty solid for sure. All right. So we had Jinder Mahal. Uh, He was interviewed and uh, said he was ready for the next part of his journey and will be a, a hero's journey. So he's claiming babyface. He also said something about Drew McIntyre being happy for his friend. Um, that's all bullshit. We're going to get Jinder, and he's going to, you know, as soon as he gets a chance, he's going to be one of the next people taking on Drew McIntyre, I, I would assume. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's changed, Chris. No, I mean, I think you're spot on. they got to have someone for Drew to beat up, so... Might as well put a big guy in there with him. That's probably Vince's thought process. 
at least until they can get Kevin Owens back. He's a big bastard. With whatever they're doing with that, I mean, I think Kevin would be the next guy, right? That would be an actual threat if you, if they're done with Seth. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like because most of the other options are baby faces, so you definitely need to put someone uh, that makes sense. Uh, Shayna Baszler said that Becky Lynch is throwing away her career to raise a parasite who will suck because it's uh, who will who will suck because it's 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 dad. Later, uh, Natalia, uh, you know, came defended her and uh, Baszler said some some really harsh things in the net. <laughs> uh, like fuck, it's like it's not like you're gonna be a mother anytime soon. You know, you know that the heart lineage is gonna end with you. Um, Getting that heat, man. Uh, whoever wrote that for Jesus Christ did uh, did, did hope that they uh, cleared that with Natty. That was kind of uh, harsh. Maybe I'm just being a, a little bit sensitive, Chris. No, I mean, I don't think you're being sensitive. They do this shit to Natalia all the time, and I can't tell if she's just okay with it or if, like, people actually don't like her and they just say this shit. I don't know, man. It was awkward. Um, they, they say very offensive shit to Natalie, like all the, the ta- Natalie, Natalia all the time, even going back to like calling her fat and shit a couple years ago. Like this is like an ongoing theme and they kind of play it out on Total Divas, too. So I don't know. Maybe she just has a lot of heat with people, but that was kind of a fucked up thing to say. I don't think you're being soft on that. It came off like kind of fuck you, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But um. For Shayna's side, I know she didn't write it, so it definitely made her come off more like a heel. But yeah, I just didn't really appreciate the, uh, the wording that they used for that. But uh, let's go to the um, the fact that AJ Styles got upset by a commercial for Undertaker's Last Ride. What is? <laughs> God damn it! You know it would be really, <laughs> you know it would be really good. All right, so AJ is gonna have this match with Undertaker. It's gonna be this epic action scene. And at the end of it, he buries him alive, but he gets out. And now he doesn't have his boys, so it's just him now. So what can we do? Let's just bring him back in, and he'll like be scared if Undertaker pops up underneath his fucking bed like a three-year-old. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's just do that. No fucking changes except for now. He gets all scared and shit like that if the Undertaker has a fucking commercial. Out of character, nonetheless. Whatever. By the way, first episode of that was fucking amazing. Um, ha, ha, why, why is AJ... Like, this is how they're going to display that he's scared of The Undertaker, that that affected him, Chris. They're not going to put anything into it. They're just going to fucking, you know, it, it scares him. Undertaker. Ah! Don't put not – even, not even an action figure. Take that away from me. I'm going to send him action figures of The Undertaker to scare him in this mail. I think, you know, what makes this, you know, what makes AJ so good at this is that he dealt with so much ridiculous shit in TNA that he was already prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he, he's like oh yeah i'm prepared for this bullshit don't worry <laughs> like god i don't know how else to explain it i mean he's he's doing his best at to, to do what they're asking him to do and it's funny but it is super oh, yeah. fucking dumb like it's super dumb they should have just had him win the money in the bank that was my prediction to win money in the bank and then have him go on a win streak and win the title and then you do fucking taker versus uh AJ at Mania, and you give Taker the belt, and fucking Taker retires, and everybody goes home happy. And he just drops the title, and then you can set up a tag, like a title tournament or something. Or, you know, you don't do that, but you still give AJ some strong wins. You don't necessarily, if you don't want to do like a Sting or like 
a different, more tormented version of AJ. You don't have to do that. But come WrestleMania time, you just do what Sean did. You do the HBK thing. You give Sean a bunch of strong, meaningful wins. You build up to it, and then you have Sean be the one that fucks with the Undertaker and torments him. Just like um, Taker versus HBK, too. It's almost like they book shit, and they forget how they book shit, Dave. Well, in their own they company. can't do the same thing twice. They're going to make sure it's shittier the next time if they do anything close to it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Fuck. the thing is when they get something that they think works, they do it a thousand times. But something that actually did work, <laughs> they can't do it right ever again. <sighs> All right. Well, let's talk about this next match that I actually thought was pretty good, uh, especially the concept of it. Because it, it is giving Rollins some depth to him. Uh, but we had Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio, and they defeated Seth Rollins and Murphy by disqualifications. Uh, so basically, Murphy was wrestling both guys really well, actually. Buddy Murphy is a badass wrestler, but he would not—he uh, couldn't get Seth Rollins to give a shit about the whole entire match at all. Uh, he was catatonic and refusing to get involved. Uh, and anyway, like later on in the match, all of a sudden, Rey Mysterio goes for a six-one-six uh, and grabs. Uh, Mysterio and throws him to the floor, which causes disqualification. I had no idea that that was a fucking thing. I, I'm pretty sure that that's that that would be completely legal, but whatever the fuck. Uh, it's the fact that he went fucking apeshit crazy, <laughs> uh, and then put his face into the corner of the ring steps and gouged his eye until it was obviously fake blood. By the way, people on Facebook, my God, people on the WWE page. He didn't actually lose his fucking eye. That was all fake. You guys are idiots. Sorry. I had to say that because there were so many comments about, like, enraged that Rey Mysterio. Yeah, it's still real to you guys. Really is. <laughs> Anyways, after the commercial break, Rollins tried to apologize to Rey Mysterio. So what does Aleister Black do who's pissed off with him? He doesn't attack fucking Seth Rollins. He goes right around Seth Rollins and goes and attack Buddy Murphy and starts beating the shit out of him. Really weird. Really awkward. But at the same time, I like some of the stuff and elements they're adding to Rollins. It's making me intrigued and wondering where they're going. So that's a good thing. Um, what do you think Alistair's going to do to avenge uh, Ray, Ray's honor, Chris? What's going to happen with Ray, man? He doesn't have an eye. Well, I mean, Alistair doesn't care about anyone. Isn't he just sitting in a janitor's closet waiting for someone to come in or whatever? Come pick a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Like, why does he? I mean, like, I know he's Alistair supposed to be a loner. I know he's supposed to be a good guy in this scenario, but he, I mean, his character what? also doesn't necessarily have to give a shit about Rey Mysterio. No, would Taz give a shit if someone fucking got hurt? <laughs> would he be like concerned and shit like that in the back, like trying to find out. No, he's a fight. He's a fighting killing machine. That's dark. Like, ugh, I hate it. Would Undertaker give a shit? <laughs> no. <laughs> He'd ask Kane <laughs> when they were in a tag team together. Undertaker gave zero fucks. <laughs> they just happened to be in a tag team together. <laughs> Same so thing with uh like Taz, Sabu Taz and Sabu, for instance. They didn't give a shit about <laughs> each other at all. They were just tag team partners. <laughs> it's possible to do that. I mean I mean, I think I thought that's where they were going, and that's why he just avoided Seth. It's just like, well, you know, Buddy Murphy pissed him off, so he's going after Buddy. Whatever happens to Ray happens to Ray, and that's how they should have explained it. And then right after, like you said, asking about his health and stuff, it does seem very weird that you go after the guy that just massacred him. But whatever. 
to each their own, I guess. I like the Seth thing. I do think this sets up a feud with him and Ray, and it's probably going to involve Dominic in some way, or at least that's how I would book it. But like, like you said, they could just do something with Becky having multiple partners or some dumb shit. Because like I said, oh, they also oh, have this weird oh. relationship. Yeah, this weird relationship hard on right now in WWE for this kind of shit, so maybe that'll happen. Oh, God. All right, so all I gotta say about this is Street Profits and the Vikings play basketball. The, the Vikings are Vikings. I have no idea why the fuck they're doing these segments. Uh, they lost 74-2. to two. It's a swerve, however, because apparently the Raiders are really good at basketball and let the Profits win, and they believed them. Ivar uh, dunked, um, which was kind of cool to watch him dunk but um yeah that's this it, this screams bruce pritchard vince mcmahon like fucking 1990 like this seems like a, a kurt henning um you know some type of segment <laughs> mr perfect but it would have been awesome if mr perfect was in it it was terrible with this concept well if it was mr perfect he would have won 92 to 2 and been better at basketball than everyone else because he's perfect of course or he would have perfect or he would have hit exactly 100 and stopped playing. You have Vikings. Why didn't they let him? Why didn't the Street Profits just score like, you know, go up by two points and then the Viking Raiders just demolish the basketball goal? Or the or the Street Profits. Why don't they just like pop the fucking <laughs> basketball and just charge them and started like you know beating them over the head with like turkey fucking breasts or whatever the hell. God I mean, damn they it. Could, they could have they could have just pulled out the basketball goal and hit them with it. <laughs> huge fucking massive bronze flipping ambulances that is not that far-fetched you know what i mean like oh god <laughs> Did you imagine actually do you think that wcw would have done this shit when they had the, the road warriors and harlem heat like that during that like 95 era like back when the fucking legion of doom was around and shit um would they do a segment like this with them i don't even think they would have no this dumb. i mean but but, but because of harlem heat well, 95 would have been... Now, that's after Sherry Martell and Colonel J. Parker, so... I don't know. It's WCW, but probably not, because they're, the way they and they were tag cheesy. division is like... They were cheesy, but their tag division was like, here's some matches, this tag team's going to win. It Like, 95 time period, they were still kind of a wrestling company. <laughs> so they had wrestling matches to set up a tag division, and then number one contenders, and then those two had a match that was how they <laughs> that's pretty much how they booked um but yeah if you go earlier with harlem heat you get some really wacky terrible wcw shit um and that was before bischoff so when you say 95 i can't can't even blame like bischoff for rusev for the like colonel j parker won harlem heat in a card game and their former prisoners yeah, That's legitimately the story of Ugh. legitimately the story of Harlem Heat. So I mean, who the fuck was writing for that? Ole Anderson and fucking <laughs> Cowboy Bill Watts. Jesus yes. Christ. Yes, <laughs> like, like actually, yes. Oh <laughs> my Bill Watts God. Time period. Uh, very bad. So you know, basketball terrible. Thing. Not not as not as bad as. It's Harlem Heat, but no, they would not have done this with the Road Warriors in Harlem Heat '95. Um, mostly because you got to make both those teams look good because they cared about their tag division and they also had the Steiner Brothers and some other decent tag teams. And they did tag team wrestling matches, and they knew the Outsiders would be coming in eventually, and they needed people to beat too. So, 
It's almost uh, like they booked a tag team division day, <laughs> even though it was WCW. With tag team wrestling, we, at least we have AEW. I would say New Japan, but uh, they also have some tag division struggles right now just for lack of tag teams. Yeah, New Japan's more like NXT where it's like they have good tag teams. They just don't have as big of a division as they once had. Like, Ron SmackDown, they have good tag teams, but I don't even give a fuck. Like, my lord. And then they have, like, an abysmal... I, I don't know, man. It's it's amazing. It's like... It's like mopping a floor with a broom. You know? It. I mean... Like, people are like, well... <laughs> Why would Revival or Anderson and Gallows want to win? They're offering them a lot of money. It's like, because of this kind of shit, dude. Like, that's why. Yeah. And then they're going to have a two-minute match next week. Like, that's why. <laughs> like, especially with Anderson and Gallows, they went from being, like, the best, one of the best tag teams in the entire world to, like... And royalty over there. <laughs> like, to fucking being, you know, AJ Styles lackeys and getting demolished by The Undertaker for a month before they got fired. Hey, guys, just stay with me. It'll be fun. All right. Um, Shayna Baszler. She defeated Natalia with just a knee strike. Uh, after the match, Natalia had a tantrum in the ring. All right, whatever. I guess this could, this is advancing Shayna somewhat. Like I said, she was damn heelish. Um, but, yeah, don't know what they're doing with Natty. Never really know what they're doing with Natty. I mean, Natty's just really at this point, Chris. She's kind of in at the last end, trying to help out with some of the girls and try not to piss them off, but, you know, motherly, mother them, if you will, I guess, and have some last couple matches. Uh, help train, I guess, be a first person to go against certain people. But I don't think championship is going to happen anytime soon. Even though she was, she won the belt not too long ago, I believe. Like yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of like her right off in the sunset moment, and she was pretty much just going to be booked as an enhancement personality that people know is a, a, a former champion and, uh, yeah. you know, probably a future Hall of Famer. Uh, and when I was talking about, like, how fucked up it is that they do that to N- Natalia, I'm not I – I don't think Shayna came up with these lines, by the way. No. So I wasn't trying to put heat on Shayna, just to clarify for listening. But there's – I mean, like I said, either she's just completely fine with whatever they throw at her, but they've done, they've talked about her father after he passed away. They called her fat. They've said she fucked up shit about Teddy Hart and his injury. Like, some of the stuff that they do to Natalia, they don't do to anyone else and take it that far, and it's really shitty. Um, but it didn't make Shana look like a hill. So, I mean, from that extent, it worked. I just. <laughs> Like they don't go as hard on anyone else. This you Natalia is like the new Mickey James, like where they were calling her Piggy James and shit and being real mean. But it's uh, I don't know. I think they could dial it back a little bit and still get heel heat. I agree. I definitely do. Well, speaking about heel heat, uh, King Corbin was interviewed and said that next week he'll prove why they call him King. Uh, he's going to be going against Drew McIntyre. And also, uh, like I said, the Iconics will be going against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, I hope Drew McIntyre takes King Corbin's head off his fucking shoulders. And also, we kind of forgot to talk about that. So it's not called what? What did Vince use 
last year for the reason why people can go, you know, over on each program. Um, <laughs> the shakeup. The shakeups. Well, no, the shakeup is where they do the trade. They had some other name for it. God, what was it called? Where like they had like a random number, but then like tag teams only counted as one person. Is that is that the thing you're talking about? Yeah. So basically, what me and Vince or me and Vince, what me and Chris talked about a long time ago with one going to Fox, one going to USA, they're gonna want fucking people from those shows. To travel, they're not going to want to just have one roster. So now Vince once again has gone around it and is going to have these marquee matches, quote unquote, with certain people from the other products. I don't know if that includes NXT. If it does, maybe it could be cool, but just this seems stupid and proves that you probably don't need two fucking different brands. We can, you know, put the titles down to one each and have one flowing program, but what the fuck do I know? Um, but either way, it isn't a shakeup. I forgot what the hell it was called. Uh, what do you think about this this dynamic and Drew going against uh, Corbin next week? I forgot what brand Corbin was on because like the last time I cared about anything that he did was that Reigns match. So I'm assuming he was on SmackDown, Smackdown right? Yep. Okay, so I don't know. I mean, it's a guy for Drew to beat. So that's good, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why they w- want to put Corbin in high-profile matches constantly. they got to be something else for him to do just for a little bit. I think just levity, putting him back in the main event uh, on Raw, which he just came from with Rollins, uh, does not necessarily entice me to want to watch Raw if this is going to be a multiple-week thing. If it's just a one-and-done, then fine. I'd put him in a tag team with someone. Ugh. Or, like, give him, like, this is going to sound crazy, but, like, turn him babyface. Like, give this guy a reason to become a babyface or something. Like, I, like, he doesn't look like a heel. <laughs> like, he just, he really, to me, he doesn't look like a heel. He kind of wrestles like a heel just by being an asshole all the time. But, like, <sighs> I don't know. Do something different with him. Give him a tag partner, like you said. Give him a reason to be a baby face. Like, find someone more dastardly than him that screws him over or something. Just give him something different. Cause give he, him the, char- the character itself is very stale, and seeing him at the top of the card with knowing that it's WWE, so that's probably their feud going into the next pay-per-view. Uh, not something I'm super excited about with Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. But it's going to be a shake-up! I don't know. Maybe it'll be cool. We had the last part. Uh, Edge came to the ring uh, to talk. Uh, Randy Orton interrupted and congratulated Edge on defending him at WrestleMania. Began to walk out. I was like, okay, that's going to be it. And he came back. and I, I kind of appreciate that. Eh, I couldn't do it. Returned to the ring and said he's better wrestler because it didn't take uh, him nine years to heal from WrestleMania injuries. Challenged Edge to a normal match at Backlash. Charlie Caruso said it could be the greatest uh, wrestling match ever. Now, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I wish they <laughs> fucking did this at WrestleMania. Hey, by the way, hate to say this. All those segmented matches that we talked about, 
uh, you you throw in like I said, and, and you know I, I love Edge. Um, I think Randy's a great wrestler, but after those comments, especially, uh, not only am I going to put obviously that fucking fight with Matt Hardy and them around the Jacksonville Stadium over that match. I'm going to put the fucking money in the bank match over it because at least it was somewhat entertaining and not boring. It didn't put me to sleep. Fucking don't don't try to fucking jolt my intelligence like I'm some fucking asshole because I didn't like the <laughs> stupid match. I should have had a fucking match in the ring to begin with. All right. So I'm down for that. I'm down for their match. What do you think, Chris? Pretty much everyone commented that it was terrible. And then what they took out of that is that it was one of the best matches of all time. <laughs> this is this is WWE. It's how they spin shit. Uh, I mean, I look forward to them having an actual wrestling match. They should have just had an actual wrestling match to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no one has a problem with Edge or Randy Orton. I mean, I'm not the biggest Randy Orton fan in the world, but do I think that him and Edge could have a good wrestling match? Yeah, probably. If you put them in a ring and don't ask them to go for 30 minutes around a fucking building, just hitting each other with shit, like, I'm pretty sure they could have oh. a good in-ring wrestling match. So, yes, I'm excited for these two guys to get a redeem themselves in probably, like, a 10-minute wrestling match. It'll probably be pretty good. If if Edge looks anything like he did at Rumble, it'll be pretty good. Honesty! All right, and that was Rob. Um, so let's talk about Raw, the Raw ratings. All right, so Raw actually was up a little bit. It was almost at 2 million. It was at 1.92 million people. That's what it averaged over the three-hour time period. It was up from the record low audience of 1.69 million and was a step up from the week previous with 1.82 million the weeks previous to that and previous to that were uh, just a little bit higher than the 1.69 million. So it it's had two pops basically in the last five weeks, but getting closer to two millions, not a bad thing. Um, I, I think that you're right. I think maybe hearing about Becky Lynch making an announcement jolted a lot of people to watch the rest of the show. Um, but yeah, that's, that's good, right? I would say, I mean, it's not over two million. It's, it's um, but it's something, right, right, Chris? I think it's very good, and, and like I said, I don't know what these ratings actually mean right now, um, because going to AEW and NXT, which I both thought were pretty good shows, they're down this week. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously the Becky Lynch thing spiked people's interest to watch live, but I I still have this feeling that because people are a lot of people are working from home or at home that they're just watching this stuff the next day. So the DVR numbers are probably more important. So I just have a hard gauge of what these ratings mean, other than there was an obvious spike when Becky Lynch had the announcement about being pregnant, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I would assume. Um, I don't know. You know, it, the, the, the concept is... is it, it, once they acquire any momentum, even if it's 1.92 million people, it's if they can keep on, you know, pressing forward. Like we keep on saying, it doesn't matter if we're talking about AEW, NXT, uh, Raw, SmackDown, who obviously have the superior ratings. People are home and they have nothing to do, and they're choosing not to watch 
I want to know, actually, I'm wondering how much of an audience FS1 got for re-airing WrestleMania 3 a couple nights ago. And I'd like to compare that. Uh, maybe it was just a small percentage, but it, I'd be, uh, it would be fucking crazy if it actually did pretty well for, you know, the third WrestleMania of all time. Um, even I mean, if it's on a smaller they, channel. I was just going to say, if they got more than like 300,000 viewers, it'd probably be the number one show on that network because they, when they don't, they don't have sports right now. So like, yeah, you got classic shit to watch. Yeah, definitely. And kind of like you were saying, but we got to remember, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, uh, last night there was a free UFC fight that came about, right? Yeah, with a sick knockout, and I can't think of the guy's name, but I saw the highlights this morning. This guy waxed this dude. Um, so I'll send you that after the show. I don't have this yeah. in front of me. Uh, but yeah, there was a free show. Apparently UFC is actually doing really well during this, um, oh, it, as far as since their re-air stuff. But uh, that's kind of to be expected, because they're the only, I mean, let's just say they're kind of the only legitimate sport going in America right now. Mm-hmm. That's not me taking a shot at, you know, wrestling versus, you know, athletes or whatever. Did you just call it fake fights? (laughs) No, I didn't. I'm just saying (laughs) UFC is a, you know, a sport. Wrestling is uh, wrestling is wrestling. (laughs) I just wrestling is always just wrestling to me. Uh, But, yeah, it's. I'll send you that knockout. It was crazy. I think that, like I said, it's a three-hour fucking show. People probably break it out over their day and watch it throughout the week or something. Like, well, I, I, was, I was numbers mean. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, like, we're talking about AEW and USA, and both of them, their numbers were definitely down. Um, AEW uh, six th- or six hundred fifty-four thousand, and NXT with uh, six hundred four thousand, but. They had, they were dealing with UFC having this spontaneous free fucking fight for everyone to watch. So I'm assuming that some of the the viewership, especially the 18 to 49 demographic, probably would have been watching that too. So like you keep on saying though, ratings themselves, it's a very different you know time period. Even though people are home and they they can watch stuff live, they have the option to stock up. So they have stuff to watch at the same time. So DVR, like we've been saying in the past too, with ratings, you gotta, you gotta, we, we need to start catering towards, um, you know, viewership, ratings, uh, what you can call it, uh, DVR, like everything put together to actually get a correct number for all this. Yeah, and Dave and Metzler needs to get the fuck on this. I mean, he tries, just, but the DV, the DVR numbers are so hard, like. Like AEW does like a million viewers on DVR if you combine the numbers or they have in the past. I don't know what do they do on about. fight too? So that well, that's then you get into like what does WWE do on was it Battle Network? Because they switched from Sky. I was gonna say Sky, but they're not on Sky anymore in the UK. So. Yeah, and then NXT has the network, and then AEW has Fight. They have viewership on those things too. So what is the actual viewership? That's what I want to know. Like a three in a three day window, you know. And with NXT, you're never going to get that number because people that are watching NXT more than likely have the WWE Network because they had it for NXT and probably watched the NXT pay per views because it yep. is more of a cult thing as far as WWE goes. Uh, so I mean, 
are you like like what was it 750,000 last week for NXT and 760,000 for AEW they were very close so I mean I I would say 200,000 people probably watched a UFC fight because it, it was free and on and live and you can watch NXT and uh, AEW through different means or you're like me and watch all three of them at the same No, I'm just kidding. I did not do that. <laughs> all uh, three would be a way too much. You're already doing two. Three would be – that's insane. That's an insane amount of uh, watching. Yeah, that's too much. All right, let's 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 go to NXT. Uh, I enjoyed NXT. Uh, some of it was weird. We're about to get into some of it. Uh, everything that's going on with Matt Riddle, like he's got a really weird, weird life. People are just not being nice to Mr. Riddle. And uh, it's unfortunate, but I think that me and you kind of called the the breakup of Thatcher and Riddle. I just thought it was going to last a little bit longer than this, and uh, apparently not. So we had the NXT uh, Tag Team Championship match started off. Imperium, Fabian Eichner, and Marcel Bartel went against Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. Very, very early on, Matt Riddle's like, you know, getting his ass kicked, uh, and he accidentally caused, I, I believe, Marcel Bartel – to go flying to Thatcher. Thatcher fell off the the uh, um, the ring and got a boo-boo uh, and got all mad and angry, and then he left. <laughs> and that was it. It was like, oh, okay, over that? Like, you know, I'm sorry. I've seen Timothy Thatcher built up like this monster in MLW. That was kind of just dumb. But maybe it was more going off of his anger. Fine, whatever. It's all to get him in matches with Matt Riddle. And later on with Pete Dunn anyways, and I'm down for that. But, um, yeah, I, d- I didn't expect that to happen in Imperium. They won. They fucking did the uh, Powerbomb uh, European uppercut. They tried it once, screwed up, then got it. And uh, afterwards, Riddle and Thatcher brawled backstage. Riddle called uh, William Regal to request a match for later that night. And then he got attacked again. Uh, but we'll get to that match uh, later on. How did you like the tag team match, which I thought was pretty solid? And uh, this continuing weirdness with Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher, I, I guess it, that's a way to get the titles off of Matt Riddle since they don't have Pete Dunne. But I, I, I don't know. I, I just felt, Chris, that they would have uh, waited a little bit longer for this. I, I guess so. What? So, um, hmm. With with Pete Dunne, is he is he coming? Is he was he, God? Was he injured or stuck? I can't remember. And maybe, maybe he's just stuck. ready. So maybe he's just ready to come back. Like maybe he's okay to come back and that's what they're doing, which is fine. But if the idea is just get the titles off of him, put him on a perium, that's that's also fine. Sets up a little feud for Matt Riddle. It's not going to hurt Timothy Thatcher. I mean, if they give him you know, a win over Riddle and then Riddle gets his win back, I don't think that's like insanely going to hurt either of them. Uh, and you can always do Pete Dunn if Pete Dunn's coming back. I mean, that's the real question, Mark, is if Pete Dunn's coming back, you could go with the angle that I was talking about where Thatcher actually does try to injure Riddle and, you know, Pete Dunn comes back to save his bro and then you still have them as a tag team or whatever. I'm not done with them as a tag team, honestly, Pete Dunn and Matt Riddle, because I think they're fucking great. And I want that to end in the eventual feud of them, kind of like Rock and Stock connection or something. I don't think it's ran its course yet just because it got the steam kind of got taken out or the wind got taken out of the sails a little bit with the quarantine and everything. Yeah, it's definitely not their fault. They had a popular concept, and it was a lot of fun to see evolve. And 
unfortunately everything's happened that's ha- that has happened um but uh yeah interesting stuff we had a match with uh tika knox going against indy hartwell and really good match man um tika knox is really she's good in the ring man and uh she continues to end the matches still legally with the shiniest wizard the reason why it's shiniest is because it's a bunch of metal on the side of her leg almost took indy's head off this is a running joke with me and Chris, by the way. If you're if you're a new listener, I apologize. <laughs> but um, it's such a fucking heel thing. It's it's <laughs> Cowboy Bob Orton. It's like just make her a heel. It's a perfect heel finisher. Like, uh, damn. Just put a. She's good though, man. Put a pad over it. Yeah, she's great. Like I, that's just more of a running joke between us because me and you both have watched so much old school wrestling. If you have something like this that you utilize for your finish. You're a fucking heel. Yeah, it's not like Austin ever used his for anything directly. They would just always get kicked and shit and fucking fucked with or ripped to the outside and wrapped around the uh, the ring. Um. Anyways, yeah, but I, I, I enjoy Tegan Knox. I like her. Indy Hartwell, I don't remember her. I don't recall. Maybe she's a newer um, hire, but she was good. She was fine. But this match was definitely more about Tegan. Uh, afterwards, Rhea Ripley says she'll get the NXT Women's Championship back from Charlotte, even if she has to go through Io Shirai to do it. And they announced that match, I believe, for next week. Uh, so that should be cool. Um, any Anything about either one of those things before I move on, sir? Yeah, I thought the Tegan Knox match was very good. I, I, that's the first time I remember seeing Indy Hartwell. So I don't maybe enhancement talent or someone that's in NXT that I haven't seen. So apologies if I maybe have seen her and forgot, but that's the first time I saw her. I thought that match was pretty decent. I like Tegan Knox. I feel like they could do a lot more with her. Hopefully that's what they're building towards. As far as uh, Rhea versus Io, it makes me scared that Io is going to lose and they turn this into a three-way match. And I feel like Io should probably win and win the title just because now Becky is gone from raw and you need an established main eventer on your women's roster on your main. Do you think, do you think Rhea's going to beat her next week? And then it's going to be Rhea against Becky or uh, against Becky against Charlotte, basically. I mean, either that or it'll be a fuck finish turned into a three way, which I'm more leaning towards happening. But I, I do think, I do think EO deserves to win the title and it's not going to hurt Rhea because she can just win it back later. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we had the interim NXT cruiserweight, uh, uh, championship match. Jake Atlas got a win against Tony Nese and I'm pretty sure. And I don't know. He attacked someone. I forgot who he attacked. We'll get down to it. Uh, I think Shane Strickland later on, but I guess Tony's out of it. I don't know what the hell that had to do with Shane um, because now he has three losses. But Jake Atlas defeated him uh, with what they're calling. I like I like the original name. Like, who gives a shit? Like, the LGBT – it was the LGBTDDT, and now they're calling it the Rainbow DDT. It's fine. I thought the other one was a little bit more clever. Um, but I really like Jake, Jake Atlas. He's, he's good in the ring, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, interesting stuff. What did you think, Chris? I mean, the the reason they probably changed it is because it's really hard to say if you're Mario Ronaldo just screaming shit the entire show. 
Goal! Rainbow DDT is easy. Rainbow DDT is easy. Now try to do that same vocal, but see LGBT DDT. LGBT. Okay, so that's that's why. <laughs> like that, that's why. Um, I thought this was a, a good match. I I feel like they underutilized Tony Nese because I feel like he's. He's fucking good, man. He's really fucking good, and I feel like they could have pushed him as like the next Neville if they wanted to turn him heel. Um, if they would have turned him that kind of heel and had him have a dominant reign, I think that he could have been at least more effectively utilized. This tournament's interesting. He's pretty much out of it because he has three losses. And uh, the most annoying part about this entire fucking tournament is even when you try to Google the listings of like what the standings are, it is like impossible to figure out like who actually has a shot on it. I don't know if that's just because there's not the same amount of level of intrigue as something like G1 or Super Juniors, but I always feel like at least I know who still has a shot. You know, like if you lose three yeah, matches, yeah. like Zack Sabre Jr. still had a shot headed into towards the end of the G1, and we knew that. We are like, oh, he's got one. If he loses this match, I feel like they don't do a good job of that. They should have fucking explained it, maybe, once. would be good. <laughs> or at least during the match, like, explain, like, this is a must-win scenario for this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, if you watch any kind of sport ever, and it's the playoffs, and you got to win that one game to continue the series. That's one of the fucking things they talk about the most. But also, they just have Moro yelling. So, I, fuck if I know, man. Um, <laughs> but yes, I assume that Tony Nese is out. <laughs> this match was pretty good. I have no idea why the hell Shane Strickland got involved and attacked at the end. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know why Tony Nese went ahead and attacked him. Well, but, well, I guess we'll, we can just. Knock that out real quick, so we're done with the uh, the uh, the the interim or yeah interim NXT Cruiserweight Championship tournament matches. But Jack Gallagher did defeat uh, Swerve Scott, who I think was doing really well in the tournament. Uh, Tony Nese attacked Scott during his entrance, uh, injuring him. Uh, Gallagher won after a rolling elbow strike. Uh, what 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 the hell? What did Swerve do to Tony Nese, man? You know what? What did, what did Buddy Murphy do to Aleister Black? Well, I mean, I think the... <laughs> so is the, if the idea was that Tony Nese is mad because there's no mathematical way that he can win the tournament, and, and they explain that, that would be my thought on why he maybe would have attack someone. really fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I have, have no fucking idea. Like, if the idea was that he was, like, pulling a Tumatonga... Where he's like, oh, I lost two matches. There's no way that I'm gonna win this. So he just becomes a complete shitbag heel the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the G1 or whatever. Then this would make sense. But because they don't put that over, I have no idea why he attacked it. They're just like, oh shit, he's attacking him. And I was like, okay, I guess that's happening. I guess they're gonna <laughs> feed now. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it's I, I do like the tournament though. I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, I wish that they would oh, give the matches. The matches have been great. Like, this has been a lot of fun to watch. And I think if they gave it the same level of respect as yeah, what it kind of deserves exactly being a point, a point tournament, then I think people would probably care about it 
more and be more invested in it. But like, if you're expecting me to sit at home with an Excel spreadsheet breaking all this shit down, which I guess I should because we do this <laughs> podcast. But no, you don't have like, to do that. Fuck that. No, we're not doing math. That's, that's no homework. That's a lot of shit to remember week after week, um, especially if you don't even just give us a bracket explaining like block A, block B. Here's the points for both. Like, I do. Did they do that at all? Because I don't remember seeing it. And if they did, I, I apologize. But I don't I, remember. I, 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 I can find, I think, the 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 wins losses, but I have no clue if they've explained the rules of how many losses it takes to get out or anything like that. They, I don't I don't remember them one time. There are probably fans that that are like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> OK, but that's fine. Just find me on Dane Alves 42 on Twitter and then just message me them because I've, I've never I don't remember the rules ever being gone over and they they go over the win-loss records but what the fuck's the point of knowing that if you don't know how if if someone has three losses shouldn't they be done well okay here's the question is it point-based because i don't even know if it's point-based if it's like the g1 it's point-based so depending on how you win the match right (laughs) you win the match you get two points if you lose the match you you get what zero points or whatever if it's a draw you get one point they're not doing draws so I mean, how the hell does oh. that work out? Like, if Nice won, I, this is what I don't get. Like, it, they, I don't. This is too much for WWE. They should have just done like a winners bracket and a losers bracket, and then like kind of like a fighting game tournament or something. All right, so I think I might have found some information. Uh, the rules uh, are as follows: Eight superstars will be split into two groups of four. Obviously, superstars will compete against each other are each of the three other members of their group. The superstar with the best record in each group will advance to the championship match. Any ties will be broken by head-to-head record. The winner of Group A will face the winner of Group B to determine the new interim NXT Cruiserweight champion. Yeah, so there's people... There was There's someone that only has one... Like, there's a... In both groups, there's only... There's someone that has only one loss, right? So this shit's pretty much over. Uh, that's that's the thing I keep on going in my head. Like Tony Nese has no chance of winning. There's no point for him to go against the last opponent for him because he can't he can't fucking win the tournament. He's got three losses. So yeah, and they're not gonna do a good job of putting it over of like it's a respect thing because they just had him turn into a heel. So if the idea is like he has nothing to lose, so now he's just gonna be an asshole. It makes sense, but at least tell me that so that I know. Like, look, I'm fine. Look, if I miss something and people want to say, well, you totally missed this, then let me know. But also, you should do a better job of explaining it because yeah. like, not everyone watches every episode of NXT. So, like, if a casual fan misses two episodes of NXT and they tune in and it's in the middle of this tournament, do a better job of explaining what this tournament is and who actually has a shot at winning the damn thing. I agree, man. Do we even have the 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 rankings now? I mean, this uh, is the same thing, and, th- and people don't even get on me about like not doing this with AEW because if you go back three or four months ago, I totally buried AEW for the same thing of like if you're gonna talk about things that happened outside of the primary show, please explain to us what the hell happened and why it's important. This is the same. This falls under the same guidelines of that. Yep. All right, so Kushida's got two wins. Jake Atlas has two wins, one loss. Drake Maverick has one win, one loss. Tony Nese has three losses. He's part of Group A. 
Uh, Akira Tozawa's got two wins. Uh, El Hilo del Fantasma has one win, one loss. Gentleman Jack Gallagher has one win, two losses. And Isaiah Swerve Scott has one win, two losses. Still just doesn't make any Like, Tony, yeah. he should just go home. There's no point for him. <laughs> Unless he's just going to be a dick back heel the rest of the time. But there's only one match left, right? Yeah. So, so just we already know who the winners of the, the blocks are. Who do you think? Kushida's, Kushida's already only lost one round. Everyone else below him, you said, had two losses? Pretty much. Yeah, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll open up the thing again. <laughs> Did you get what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. This is why yeah, sure. the, the G1 goes longer and you have a point system, as annoying as it is. It's so that you can build these little mini feuds and build up each of these wrestlers and put it over. It's Yes, it's annoying to look at points in the block system, but the reason they've done it like that for, like, I don't know, let's say 20 years <laughs> at this point is because it fucking works. I agree. It'll be interesting. I think that we're just... Maybe next week they'll explain again what's going on. But, I mean, now we're going to be switching back to next week going to um, – what's his name? The guy everyone wants to know is going to have that that, that fun ending, um, Drake Maverick. <laughs> um, God, that's such an awkward concept. But, anyways, let's, let's move on uh, to NXT. I, I will say next week for the listeners, I will go back – and watch the beginning of each of these tournaments and try to figure out what the brackets are and give a breakdown of... I mean, we already have the people we think that are going to win. We made that prediction a long time ago, and I don't think they're really going to stray from that based on what the standards you just gave, but I will try to give a better analysis people listening next week. <laughs> but watching this casually, I, I do have no fuck with, I have no fucking idea what's going We're on. Not except for, yeah, We're not scientists, people. Except for Kishida is going to be... Kashida is the Okada in this tournament, and he will be in the finals. <laughs> be in the finals. All right, so I can't. You know, what sucks about this is I'm pretty sure the Undisputed Era made this a while ago, but since the Bubbly Bunch made their whole thing, it kind of just looked like they were ripping off of it and just not doing as good of a job, honestly. But Undisputed Era had a uh, Zoom call, and you know all of them popped up individually. And I believe Kyle O'Reilly, he's same thing. He's over in Canada. I don't know if he can't get over here or if or if he's choosing to sit out. Uh, obviously, Bobby Fish and Roger Strong have been on with Adam Cole. Um, but they talked about Dexter Loomis and talked shit about him. Talked about Velveteen Dream, talked shit about him. And they decided that Dexter Loomis will be going against, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Roger Strong next week. So... That is going to be uh, interesting. I wonder where they're going to go with it. Like, if Dexter Loomis is just going to completely annihilate him and, like, scare the shit. Like, I don't know. Like, send a message, if you will. It's going to be pretty interesting. But um, how did you like this little video package they did with the Zoom call? I, th- I thought it was fine. I mean, it's a clever way. I doubt that, you know, AEW is not the only people that have thought of this. Um, and like you said, this is probably pre-recorded, so I don't think this was any kind of we're trying to copy someone type of deal, which I saw also in, in some comments. But uh, 
with Dexter Loomis, you just haven't demolished Roderick Strong and you don't have a match. I think it's too soon to do a match. Like just having demolish him before hey, the what, match and send a message to the to the group itself. What if you had Dexter Lumis beat him and then Dexter gets out of there with Roderick Strong before uh, Adam Cole and Bobby Fish can save him and then Roderick Strong just goes missing. I don't know what happened to him. Where'd he go? Well, they're not gonna write him off, but you could have Dexter Loomis like assassinate his knee or something before the match. Well, well, maybe he's holding him up, but they, they go the whole, like, did he kill him? Like, what happened? Where did Dexter Loomis bring Broderick Strong? You know, and then they can have uh, Marina Shafir come on and be like, where's my husband? We have a kid. <laughs> I like the idea, but aren't they already doing a kidnapping angle on the show? Are they? Those kidnappings? <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, you're right. Like, remember the guy, in the, the mysterious guy in the car that's just, like, collecting Oh, yeah, fish? I... I forgot about that. I really fucking did. Holy shit. Well, <laughs> if, if they want to do another one with the serial killer thing, they could just like have him just make it look like he got rid of Roddy and they don't know what happened to him. I mean, it's NXT. They're not going to have Roderick Strong get destroyed. So the best thing to do is not have a match. So just demolish him beforehand. Yeah, just take the shit out of him and uh, hide him in a broom closet or some shit. But I'm sure they'll figure yeah. it out. I mean, because otherwise you're going to have Dexter Loomis go out and have a match. He's going to give offense to this guy. And the answer for that character to me is to just don't have that match and save it for the big storyline, which is Adam Cole, right? Mm-hmm. And him take out every one of these people one at a time, very meticulously. You just have to sell us on the fact that they're actually taken out. Yep, I agree. All right, and then we had a video package followed up that I really, really liked uh, with uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlet. Um, set to the end, the old uh, – someone said this. I had no idea, but it was WWE uh, Armageddon theme or something like that. But um, just really creepy and ominous and uh, black and white and, you know, Karrion Cross, man, he looks – they're building him up really, really fucking well. I feel bad because I think they're doing really well and he's going to excel based on uh, – or not based on, but like even though this pandemic's going on. But I feel like if there wasn't this and the audience was there, holy shit, that they'd be going – I'm pretty sure they'd be flipping for this. I think they're doing an excellent job introducing both him and Scarlett. And uh, I love the segment. I thought it was pretty cool. It got me excited. It, it made me think like something that Rob Zombie kind of would do or some shit like that. Like, I, I think everyone's doing that. Like, let's do like weird Rob Zombie directed esque creepy segments to make the uh, the fucking wrestlers look creepy. Anyways, but I like this. Uh, How do you like the um, the Carrying Cross uh, Scarlet uh, package? I mean, I think the crazy thing for me is why does WWE not just call Rob Zombie and have him do one of these things? Because he loves wrestling, and he I mean, yeah. he even did an animated movie about wrestling, and Edge used to use his music as a theme song. I feel like there's a natural <laughs> relationship there that they could take advantage of. I thought this was very well done, that being said, and there are a lot of – it does seem like this is a common House of a Thousand Corpses, like we brought up previously, kind of thing that wrestling is doing right now with these creepy characters, which is – which is good. I mean, that's what I would want it to be if you're if you're doing one of these crazy characters. I think the biggest thing here is separating who Dexter Loomis is from Killer Cross. 
or whatever the hell they're calling him, Kyrian Cross. <laughs> what is it? Kyrian. Okay, that's gonna take me forever to get. So apologize to everyone. <laughs> I'll probably call him Killer Cross for the next like three months. You, you should just call him that. Um, yeah, but I, I agree with you. It's like let's 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 have them different, obviously. But eventually, I mean, down the road, if you can establish them, I love them to finally clash. And it'd be weird if 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 Cross is more of the heel, I guess, and Dexter Loomis somehow a babyface in it. But either way, I mean, it's it's intriguing. It definitely is intriguing. And I think that's why I like the idea of Dexter Loomis like kind of meticulously taking out all of Undisputed Air one by one is because they're a heel group, right? They're a heel faction. And he's taking them out one by one. That's not necessarily a heel tactic. I guess it could be considered that way. It's just how you present it. And you could have, if you wanted to go that route, you could have Dexter Loomis be a baby face. Hell, Loomis is in his name. Loomis is like a fucking number one good guy of the Halloween series. <laughs> Honestly. Dr. Loomis, man. So uh, that would be very awesome. I just, the, the roster is limited kind of at the top of who they're going to put where. You know they're going to have to eventually clash. So I, I think it's all on how you present it and how you do it. Um, but yeah, I like this video package. I like what they've done with Killer Cross thus far. I think Scarlett Bedrow being with him is great. Um, yeah, nothing negative to say about Killer Cross so far. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with both of these guys' first matches. With Killer Cross, I, I expect a squash. And with Dexter Loomis, because of the character he's trying to portray or what we think he's going to be trying to portray, it, he doesn't need to have a match until... It's kind of like what they did with Bray Wyatt on the main roster originally with the Wyatt family, where he doesn't need to have a match until it's a last resort or he finally gets to the opponent he wants to get to. Call his own shots, basically. Yeah, I got you. But cooler, because he doesn't have a crew. So, yeah. But yes, it's the same, basically the same ideal. Because that's I mean, that's how the books Bray was. Bray's group took everyone out until he got the match he wanted, and then he had the match he wanted. In this situation, you just have him take everyone out, and then he gets the match he wanted. With Killer Cross, you need to just have this man destroying fucking people, just because that's the kind of wrestler he is to some extent. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah, I want to see him tearing off people's arms with that weird fucking crazy face of his and just smashing them. Against other people. It's going to be awesome. It's um, crazy to me that they, like we went years without there being mystical characters except Bray Wyatt to a point where there's like a demon, <laughs> Bray Wyatt, Killer Cross. Like, how, how many Black. do we have? Yeah, Alistair Black. How many do we have in WWE right now? I think that's the biggest problem is you have to find a way to make all of them different. Um, and that's very hard to do. But the thing about Dexter Loomis, and even Killer Cross to an extent, is you don't have to have them go supernatural so much as psychopathic, you know, or crazy. So that kind of goes into your 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 mankinds, your who I guess I guess technically mankind. He came out with Paul Bear. He's he's still supernatural, wasn't he? And, and and by supernatural, I don't necessarily mean that. But like, let's say just say darker character, right? Darkers, darker, yeah. Darker character is probably a better way to put it. Um, you just have to be very careful how you book these guys because they eventually have to hit heads. And there's all, and as we've seen in the past, 
WWE does not do the greatest job of presenting that. Hopefully NXT will do it better. But uh, yeah, and I think all of these guys, like obviously Finn Balor's demon's great. Um, Bray Wyatt's great on the mic. I'm not the hugest fan of him in the ring. I think they could do more with him. Um, it, there's a lot of things that they could do differently, but as we've seen with Bray Wyatt, their immediate gut reaction if they get something good and people get behind these guys is we got to slam them together, which is like, like right now, I don't want Darby Allen slammed against the Dark Order, for instance. Right. Or I don't want no. Darby Allen slammed against uh, Murdoch right away. You got to flush that out a little bit more. So the storyline actually makes sense of why they would be against each other. No, I dig. I, I get where you're saying. I definitely do. You want them, and it, it keeps them unique, if you will. You know, it keeps them kind of separate, even if they are similar. That's why the, I'm, I'm, I've always been glad they kept. Honestly, Bray and Alistair have not been on the same roster. They try. They never did Demon versus fucking uh, Bray Wyatt, thankfully, or 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 uh, Fiend for that matter. But you know, yeah, they definitely of, smashed Matt Hardy right against him as soon as possible, <laughs> and Matt Hardy as soon as possible, and a lot of other people with Bray. <laughs> yeah. That is very, very true. Um, which, I mean, they, they've done it in the past, and it works. Like, Mankind and Undertaker. Kane and Undertaker. I think the thing is, is you have to make the person the Undertaker first before it works. And sometimes I think they put, instead of putting one foot in front of the other, they try to step down the stair at the same time. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. build one of these guys the best you can and, and then down the road if you want to have that match and make it a huge deal then make it a huge deal i just uh i have I, I guess i have more faith in nxt being able to do this properly so hopefully that's the route they're going and they try their best to keep them separate it's just that thing is very limited at the top right now with quarantine and everything going on yep i i definitely agree there's uh limitations in all of it so Gotta, gotta figure it out. I'm just, I, I'm still thinking about the two of them going at it, though. It's still kind of intriguing. But then again, I used to do this with Aleister Black and, and Finn Balor, and we still haven't had that. So that's a, that's a good thing, you know. Whatever. I mean, it's uh, a good thing, but. Chris. Sorry, I cut out for a second. I was like, it's a good thing, but the only reason it happened is because Vince pulled. <laughs> a tag team up and sent Finn down. <laughs> they kept them like kind of miles away. <laughs> Otherwise so it probably already happened. <laughs> I think it was, I mean, cause if they both were still on the main roster, uh, Finn would have probably opened one of them doors already. Yep. All right. So we had a video that aired for Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez featuring them saying they're going to hurt a lot of people. Good stuff. I mean, it was fine. I, I I didn't care. They're building up Raquel Gonzalez, like we've said, for like Dakota Kai's diesel. And, and uh, I like Dakota Kai. I think she's awesome in the ring. So uh, good stuff. Good heel work, I guess. How did you like this? I like this, and I hope they make them a tag team who comes out and demolishes like the Iconics. And, oh, uh, man. And then you move the tag belts to NXT. 
and then you set up a tag tournament proper, and then the women's tag belts get what they the respect they actually deserve. Because I think that's probably the actual way to do it is to add a third tag team. You could still do the Diesel breakup later on, but uh, it also gets some main roster people over to NXT. And sets up some very fun scenarios, such as like if Asuka and Kerry Zane want to go for the titles again, you get Dakota Kai versus Asuka kind of thing. There's a lot of cool stuff you could do with that. So hopefully they're building them both as a tag team and the little Diesel Sean faction type deal. Are you writing for WWE any, anytime soon? Fuck no, dude. Dane, I have good ideas. Null <laughs> 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 uh, and void. But I mean, that would that, that wouldn't make sense. I mean, if you're building them as a team anyways, just have them be a team. And then you have other challengers for this belt that's not just the Iconics. And <sighs> I mean, I want to like this belt and I want it to mean a lot. <laughs> it's just put a little effort into it. And I feel like this, at least you have a team built. Or at least two friends, right? Um, or at least a bodyguard and a person. I mean, <laughs> give me something that's not just the same two people wrestling for the next four months. And I think this is a good way to do it. And if you introduce the entire female roster to it, uh, maybe they can find something for Aaliyah to do finally. <laughs> Which you're always concerned about for Aaliyah. They can get I'm her about a tag to be even more concerned. <laughs> it's about to happen again, man. What happened? Uh, well, see, now they can give her a tag team partner and a couple wins. She did. Do she, tag uh, what was her name? I forgot. I think she got fired. <laughs> but you, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you, there's ways to do the tag. T- I mean, this is we're be- I'm, I'm beating a dead horse, so I'll let it go. But you, you get what I'm saying. I think that you can utilize uh, the Dakota Kai situation. On multiple multiple fronts that will just help her get over more, especially if you bring like Oscar and Carrie Zane into the picture as a tag team and you do like an actual tag team division, for instance, and Dakota Kai gets a win over Oscar. That's a huge rub because currently she's the women's champion, and those belts are supposed to travel to any iteration of WWE. That's how they're supposed to work, or at least between Raw and SmackDown. I'm assuming the NXT is included. Yeah, you know, it was it was always supposed to be like that, but they just haven't really implemented it. I don't know. I'm 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 interested. I like the ideas that you've had uh, with that. I've kind of always said that they had a lot of potential for good tag teams in NXT, so it'd be fun to see them switch up the division and not have someone terrible like the Iconics have it. Um, all right, so I I big I, I huge marked out for this, Chris. We had Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and uh, Road Dog announcing that next NXT TakeOver event would be called NXT TakeOver In Your House on June 7th. All right, I'm the 90s kid. Even though some of the stuff was terrible during the next the, the, the new generation or the next generation, it also had Shawn Michaels and fucking Vader and, and Bret Hart and Owen Hart and everyone else involved in it. So, uh, you know, this kind of goes back to those pay-per-views that I loved and uh, – I'm uh, I'm happy they're doing this, and it was it was a funny interaction with DX. They were they were funny, and uh, Sean wore the bandana the whole entire time. They were being silly. They were making fun of of Triple H, which is me. 
I thought he got enough of that. <laughs> so, is is Adam Cole Bebe going to come down on a uh, zip line to really sell the in your house pay per view? <laughs> Wasn't that like Sean's first thing? I that believe classic, so. Yes. Classic scene of Sean with the metal dog tag jacket and the white gear flying through the air. Uh, yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I like the I like the in your house idea unless it's inside of Vince's house or Triple H's house and it's all <laughs> videotape segment. Stay like out of my house. In the bank. <laughs> like, if it's just gonna be an event called in your house and maybe they have a house set up and some like as a stage piece and they do wrestling in the ring, cool. That plays on my nostalgia and I like that. But if it's actually gonna be inside someone's house. <laughs> I'm out, Dane. That's where I'm drawing the fucking line. But 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 Chris, this is NXT. They can do it, right? No. I mean, I didn't think they they were gonna pull the boneyard match off, but they did. So maybe one match. But we're talking about a whole pay per view, man. It's gonna be really tough. Somehow I, I just expect Alien Ant Farm to be playing like that smooth criminal cover next to a pool. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know why that thing. popped in my head, but why not? <laughs> Even though some of these have been good, I am getting to the point where I'm sick of all these fucking matches at random locations and shit like that. I know it's an empty arena, it's kind of boring, but at the same time, like all these weird cinematic things. That I'm sure Matt is very happy that have become popular. I'm. Are, am I the only one that's kind of like getting over it a bit, or just a little bit? I mean, like I said, the difference between Matt is he had a fucking wrestling match <laughs> by the end of the thing. <laughs> it ended in the well, ring. I'm just talking about like total every single one in the last like couple of months on both, uh, mostly on WWE, but like I don't know. Yeah, I. I think people don't under like I hope people I see people saying well AEW is doing this and I was like well AEW is doing hardcore matches essentially but they start in the ring and there's a definitive finish that's not but it doesn't become an angle like that money in the bank thing just basically became a story angle throughout the entire night and the same thing with the Bray Wyatt thing I think that's what you're tired of is the fact that you're telling me I'm getting a wrestling match, and you're not really giving me a wrestling match. You're basically pissing on my leg and tell me, telling me it's raining. They're not the same thing. Oh, I thought that was that was the rain of, of angels. That's what my mom always told me. Um, anyways. I mean, <laughs> even, the, even the finish of Money in the Bank <coughs> was an angle with Otis. It's setting up to an angle with Mady Rose. Oh, yeah. Sure play out but it was just a fuck. The whole match was an angle. It was an angle for AJ Styles, and it was just an angle for Otis. Like, it's like, and it turned into an angle with Asuka, which I don't know if she was aware of or not, but I'm assuming so. Uh, and she's just really good. <laughs> but it did just turn into an angle the very next night. Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, anyways, um, but either way, yeah, in your house, that sounds fun to me. If they want to do that once in a while, that just, you know, it's nostalgic. It's kind of like the War Games one. 
uh, except for I guess War Games is more about the match itself of uh, War Games. Um, uh, but in your house, they have to have real quick. They have to have the house set that they walk out of, right? I mean, they they, they have to make it look like that. Completely fine with the house set. Just in, the only person that should be entering anyone's home unsuspectedly is Dexter Loomis's character. <laughs> should be no matches what? inside an actual house. <laughs> oh, guys, why is Dexter Loomis over there? Oh, just hanging out at the house, bull. <laughs> yeah, like that seems like if you want to do the in your house thing and you want to make it inside of an actual house, that's the character to do it with. Don't have a match inside a house, please don't. But if you're oh going to make a house set. <laughs> Uh, uh, we found out that there, there, there's been a breaking entry at someone's house real quick, and then video footage of Dexter Loomis breaking in someone's house, watching in your house. You know, that'd be great. They, or they give, just attacking, like, Adam Cole decides that he's injured, MJF style or something, and Dexter Loomis is like, are you? And you get the Pillman Austin thing, or the Triple yeah. H Randy Orton thing. You could do that. I'd buy that. And on the In Your House pay-per-view, I'd be like, oh, it's kind of on the nose, but pretty funny. Don't give me a wrestling match inside of a house. Don't. Just please don't. don't do it. Do not do it. I don't want to see someone in a pool <laughs> fucking getting drowned pretending. Just don't want to but do it. All right. I do like I do like the house set. That's I, I agree with you. You need the house set and maybe a zip line without if Adam Cole is going to be there. Give him, let him do the Shawn Michaels zip line thing. Either him or Velveteen Dream. One of the two. I feel like someone needs. Oh to. God, Velveteen Dream doing that would be pretty awesome. But I do love Adam Cole. Because mm. to me, that's the outside of that shitty video game that they put out, this like arcade is in your house video game for Sega Saturn. That's the first thing that I think of when I think of in your house is Sean coming down on that fucking zip line and how hard they promoted that pay-per-view, which was not very good, honestly, which is probably why they stopped doing it, because there was a lot of bad matches on those oh, yeah. in your pay-per-views. But some of them are golden. Guys, if you haven't, well, they actually have a, they've been doing these cool packages, even though you can just, you know, use the search engine to fucking look on WWE network, but they've been doing these cool packages for different wrestlers and stuff like that. And, um, they did one for Mick Foley. And the first one is the mind games match against Shawn Michaels at in your house and such a fucking awesome classic match. And if you haven't got a chance, the first match is on there. It's a four hour block. I would have put on edge and him at WrestleMania, but they have a lot of good matches on there with a good old Mick. But, um, yeah, uh, in your house had some so many fucking duds and then just like a couple like great matches and uh, randomly on one of them, you know. Please. Damn it. Forever muted. Sorry, my phone locked. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. <laughs> but going back, I'm trying to watch like do not do the WrestleMania month where you're like, I'm going to watch some of my favorite WrestleManias because I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You probably don't have a favorite in your house. You probably just have a favorite <laughs> in your house match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's some good matches that came out of those turd shows, but a lot of those shows are really bad. Horrible. Cause, Terrible. Because they put that, that pay-per-view came out in, what, 95? We're talking about the decline of WWF before, like, before the rise with Austin. Oh, let's go great. there. See, it's so great having uh, fond memories of WCW and WWE just when they were terrible. Like, writing-wise, way too many stupid random characters. 
you know, just everything collectively. And then they got amazing while I was progressively watching it. But to me, like, I don't know, like 95 and 96 were, were good years, even though looking back, they were terrible. <laughs> 95 was a great year for WCW. That's the intro to Nitro and Bischoff taking over the company. And then 96 outside. I'm just saying, that. yeah, but the Legion of Doom and fucking, uh, or not Legion of Doom, uh, Dungeon of Doom and... Hulk yeah, that's like that's like the very beginning, the, the the beginning, the end of '94 and the beginning of '95 when Bischoff took over and moved everything to uh, Orlando Studios and tried to turn that show around. Like in '94, it, it got good. WCW got good there for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> then it got really bad, really quick. Well. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, all right, so we had a match with um, Cameron Grimes and Finn Balor. Um, really good back and forth match. Uh, and I actually, I'm I'm going to say it's okay because I, I saw a bunch of people flipping out about this that Finn Balor lost. They revealed who attacked him. They're going to do something with him and Damian Priest that'll probably be good for Damian Priest because he's only really been going against guys that are like his size or bigger. And uh, Finn Balor is an awesome person to bounce off of. He caused Finn the match. So, you know, it's 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 a bullshit fucking win. But Cameron also gets to get a win against Finn Balor and up his game. So I think that all of it was fine after the match. Priest hit the uh, reckoning on a chair and revealed that he's the one who attacked Balor several weeks ago. So another another kind of borderline Chris mystic character. I don't know if he's like... I think he's I think he's trying to be Razor Ramon meets the Undertaker, but it's 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 fine. He's a good wrestler. Um, what did you think about this? Did you think it was dumb having Finn Balor lose to Cameron Grimes? No, because Finn Balor is already over. Like he's former NXT champion. All he's got to do is come out of the demon. He'll pop. No, everyone will pop for it. Like I don't think it hurts Finn at all to have to take this loss after getting attacked. So I don't have a huge problem with it. It's not like they just were like, all right, you're going against Killer Cross and he got beat in a squash match. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't have a huge problem with it. And I like them setting up a feud with Damian Priest because I feel like that gives Damian Priest an opportunity to look good in the ring because Finn works really well with bigger opponents. I mean, like an example, like any match he's been in with Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, uh, he does a really good job of getting those guys over, but still looking super effective in the match. Now, if he loses to Damian Priest, I don't know what that mean, <laughs> means for Finn Balor. I'm assuming <laughs> he's going to win. But he he can make Damian Priest look good, at least in the ring. Yep, and that's what I'm looking forward to, I think. I think you're absolutely right. And we'll see some really cool stuff between the two of them and Finn making uh, Priest look damn good. Um, we got Caden Carter going against Aaliyah uh, with Robert Stone. Going out there and, and watching Aaliyah scouting, if you will. And then Aaliyah lost. And I like Hayden Carter, so obviously I, she's taking a couple L's, so I'm happy she got her win. But, uh, you know, she was – apparently this was an attempt for Aaliyah to join the Robert Stone brand, but it was unsuccessful when she got distracted, lost to Caden Carter, and then tried to court then uh, Robert uh, Stone, and he wanted nothing to do with her. So, once again, they're shitting on Aaliyah. Why do they always have to shit on Aaliyah, Chris? I think they heard you have a problem with it, and it just makes Vince laugh. 
or something. He puts in one call a week that's like, ah, fuck that date elves. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I mean, she's in, she's basically enhancement talent. Could be worse though. Like, you know, you could get the Heath Slater, uh, Zack Ryder <laughs> treatment. Yes, 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 definitely yes. Um, sorry. Anyways, so we had uh, oh God, this was really awkward. Same working for me, guys. Gargano and Candice LeRae talked about Mia Yim and Keith Lee over dinner. How they want to kick their ass. Mia Yim and Keith Lee are in a relationship, so they'll probably just put them together just for this fucking match. And um, I just don't. They're, they're not believable heels, and the segments are weird and just awkward, and they don't really. Uh, they're not effective, at least to me. That's my opinion, and I like Gargano and Candice LeRae. Both of them are great in-ring wrestlers. They don't have to have super personalities. I mean, both of them just – they're good workers, and I, that, that's nothing against them. But I would rather them be both super shiny baby faces than this awkward heel – I don't even know what the fuck it is, honestly. But what, what did you think, Chris? I mean, it sucks. That's what it is. <laughs> like, it's not very good. It's bullshit. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. They, if you're gonna turn Gargano heel, you need more of an angle to go off of. I, I don't understand pulling the trigger on that so soon. Um, I feel like you could have built it up a little more, and I guess that's my been kind of my problem with Gargano the past few weeks. I mean, he's still a great in ring performer. I just don't buy him as a heel. Yep. Some wrestlers just you're never gonna buy as a heel. Like, are you gonna buy Sting as a heel? No. Like, it's going to take Sting doing some very dastardly shit after 20 years of only doing good shit <laughs> for you to believe. Jeff Hardy, Rey Mysterio, Ricky Steamboat. No, none of them. It's Not okay. It, it's okay to just be a babyface and always be a babyface. That actually is a one hell of a talent to have because yeah. uh, a lot of wrestlers will tell you it's way harder to be a babyface than it is to be a heel. Because there's imperfections in any, everyone's character, and you're basically playing a superhero good guy. I agree with you. And it's it's very hard to connect with kids on that level, or and especially if you can get adults to like you. You know, it's, it's an art form. Uh, I mean, if the can... crowd was turning against Gargano, I would, I would, like, that would make more sense. But the crowd never really turned against him. <laughs> No, there's always a chunk that kind of gives him shit, but yeah, you're right. Most of the time, everyone loves, you know, uh, what's the 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 heart, the um, this uh, I don't remember the fucking song. Tomas, I mean, if people are gonna love Tomasa Ciampa no matter what, but this isn't a situation where it's like, let's go, Cena. Cena sucks. Yeah. You no. know where you you're on the border, or what was happening to Hulk in WCW, where it might actually make sense to turn that guy a heel. Yep, it was Rebel Heart. That's what I was thinking of. Um, but that would be a cool match. Uh, Keith Lee, Mia Yim versus Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, setting something like that up. That should be fun, right? Yeah, that should be. I'm sorry, I didn't. To dance around that question, but no, yeah. you're fine. I I forgot I forgot that I even asked it. Um, yeah, I mean Keith Lee and Mia Yim as a, as a little team for an intergender match. I think NXT might be able to pull that off. It'll be fun. I what I don't want them to do is if Gargano is a heel and he gets into the ring with a female, I'd maybe hit a wrestling move. Oh. Just saying. 
<laughs> like if you're going to get him over as a heel, don't have him not wrestle. Pull a Triple H. Triple H wrestled Ronda Rousey. You can put medium over strong in that situation, but you need to well, allude to the well, fact. You know, let, 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 let's talk about that for a second. I, I didn't necessarily <laughs> try to fight her. She is a very scary, scary. She, she, I, she's not the game, uh, but she's scary <laughs> individual. But you, but you get what I'm saying. Even if she gets the best of the situation, if you're a heel and you're in that scenario, then you yeah. shouldn't care. Like. Kenny Omega is not a heel and had this match on the cruise ship and totally gave what was it Penelope Ford a fucking dragon suplex. So <laughs> the bar set pretty high. <laughs> Kenny can do it, man. Anyone can do it. I think <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, I think like it, it, that's a good way to make him heal. Maybe have him hit a dragon suplex. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're right. Especially if, if it's going to be effective. I mean, they're going to have to do some dastardly shit to make me just forget. And But all right, regardless, they can build from this. They're both professionals. They've been around for a while. The segments themselves and the weird, awkward editing when they're talking shit, that, that's awkward as hell, right? I, I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's because Gargano is like, kind of shit on the mic. Yeah, yeah very true. But he does. Uh, he doesn't have to talk. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's not great on the mic either. That doesn't mean that he wasn't over as a babyface. <laughs> Heels need to be good on the mic. That's like the biggest thing about being a heel is being able to to talk that shit. That's why Baron Corbin gets like X Pac heat because he sucks on the mic. It doesn't matter how hard you book him as a heel. No one really considers him a heel. Like perfect example of being a great heel is like Roddy Roddy Piper or you know Jake the Snake. You gotta be kind of good at both if you're gonna be a top heel. You're absolutely right about that, man. That is an art form and just a concept of a, a way of thinking that is not done much anymore. Um, all right, so next week's show will feature Kushida going against Drake Maverick, Akira Tozawa going against El Hiro del Fantasma, and Io Shirai against Rhea Ripley. After that, we have the match with Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. Um, I heard, God, man, it just, it, it drives me crazy, but, like, uh, I forgot who was reviewing it, but they just said, I don't know, I just found, uh, it, was, it was it was really boring, it was just, it was wrestling, but, you know, whatever, it's okay. Riddle uh, reversed a submission into a pin to win after the match, Thatcher attacked Riddle and put him in the Fuji, uh, Fujiawa uh, armbar. Uh, pretty good technical match. It was actually shorter than I thought it was going to be, and then the loss was kind of unexpected, but I guess they're trying to set up for, obviously, more matches. Uh, it was kind of, I, honestly, I, I don't know if I, I think I would have done a bullshit finish before I would have had him lose um, the first altercation with Matt Riddle, but whatever. Uh, how, how did you like this uh, ending in the last match with Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle, Chris? I like them. I like it because he put him in an arm bar. And you can sell him putting him in an armbar a couple like couple more weeks, and then maybe that's how you bring Pete Dunn back. Like I said, I feel like that's the storyline is that Pete Dunn has kind of been his bro the entire time, and he's tired of these dastardly deeds, and that puts Pete Dunn over as a super babyface, which Pete Dunn as a babyface I think will work, even if he doesn't have a lot to say. He just has that attack demeanor. It'll work the same way as like. God, I hate to say this, but like when Chris Benoit would stand up for, you know, Rey Mysterio, 
you can kind of do that because they were in a tag team or they were part of the same clique and they have that kind of background with each other now. Um, and then you can do the tag team thing again if you want to. So it opens up a lot of possibilities, but I do think that's kind of where they're moving. And that's exactly where I would move. So if that's the case, then good job, NXT. And a pretty good episode, I think, of NXT. It was uh, pretty solid all the way through. And uh, what we're going to get to AEW and reviewing that. Uh, NWA uh, Power Super, I think it was the name of the episode, or the, the fucking the, the, the version, if you will. We'll review that and uh, talk about some more wrestling stuff uh, this weekend. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining me like normally. Uh, have a good evening, sir. Say goodbye <laughs> to all the wonderful people. Thank you guys for listening. We should have a new episode of Skate's Throats. We took a little uh, bit of a break, but we, we finally got some hockey news to talk about. And uh, we're going to talk about the great one, Wayne Gretzky. So that'll be a fun episode. So if you're a hockey fan, check that out. That should be posted this weekend. Um, I'm, uh, if you want to talk to me, you can hit me up on Twitter at Chris R. Patton. Uh, feel free. Give me your opinions. And uh, if, if you have an explanation for what's going on with the Cruiserweight Championship and maybe a or something, I, I will. I will accept that into my heart and then uh, announce you on the show next week. <laughs> Someone to tell me what the hell's going on because I, I really need the help. Uh, Dane, thank you as always, man. It's, it, it's a lot of fun doing this every week and I uh, really appreciate it. And I hope you guys like the new intro. It's a good intro and not a problem at all, sir. Always enjoy talking wrestling. All right. So we'll uh, get you guys back to wrestling land. The next episode uh, we will land that this weekend, probably Sunday, but, um, Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, and thank you so much for listening to us. Have a good one. Peace out. Let the Geek Guys be with you and all that jazz. Bye, guys.